I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, gone. Go hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. It is crazy. It seems like we've been away for so long because of everything that's been happening in the world of baseball since we left you last Friday, all throughout the weekend, the day off yesterday, and now we're not coming to you until it's over. The baseball world has changed. You got to get your guys now because if you don't, You're not going to get them unless somebody releases them. They're DFA'd. This is it. There's no more waiver wire process. Back in the day, you used to be able to say, well, I'm not going to give up the capital for the guy now. Chance I'll be able to get him in waivers. Those days are over. We got a list of guys that have been traded. The baseball landscape has truly changed. I don't know if it really blew up people skirt that much once you get past the names Verlander and Scherzer how much it really went oh my god but that's it if you didn't make your deal you really didn't improve yourself and there's a lot of contradictions about the way our game is going these days we just had the team we were down in San Diego for the winter meetings by the way how are you I'm good. I'm good. Thanks you were, for asking. You were in San Diego for the winter meetings. Correct. I was down there. The New York Mets end up spending more money than any Major League Baseball team of all time. And I want to say it's the most money any team in America sports has ever. Because the other team's got caps. Right? Am I right on that? That They spent more money this past year, committed more money than any team in the history of sports in the United States of America. I want to say you're not wrong. I mean, the Warriors have had a big salary cap this year, but I don't think it was anywhere near what the Mets was. Okay, so at least I know for sure in baseball, maybe in our country, our country's sports history, the Mets committed the most money ever to players' salary in one year. And in less than a year, 
they folded. Think about that. In less than one year, they realized, uh-oh, this isn't working. We need to punt. So just a few months ago, I mean, seriously, just if you, if you look back, not a half a year, they were being praised. They have an owner in Steve Cohen who's worth $16 billion. He's a big hedge fund guy. He's a Mets fan. He loves Seinfeld. This is great. Keith Hernandez was his favorite player. I mean, this was like we're singing Kumbaya. He's everything so many other owners aren't in baseball. Remember that story? Remember they were selling that? And now, not only are the New York Mets, who just committed the most money to the player's salary in the history of professional sports in the United States of America and in baseball, have folded, they told Max Scherzer after his start, he went to talk to him, Billy Epler, what's the deal? Billy Epler said, hey, we're not going to try and win. Definitely not in 24. It's maybe 26-25. Yeah, I had the, where's the quote at from, uh, I talked to Billy. I was like, okay, are we reloading for 24? He goes, no, we're not. Basically, our vision, like you said, 25, 26. At the earliest, more like 26. 26? We're, go- we're going to making trades around them. This is all from Ken Rosenthal's fantastic piece on The Athletic. I was like, so the team is not going to be pursuing free agents this offseason or assemble a team that could compete for a World Series next year? He said, no, we're not going to be signing the upper echelon guys. We're going to be on the smaller deals within free agency. 24 is now looking more of a kind of a transition transistory uh, year 26 they went from the highest payroll in baseball history to now uh, we're probably not going to compete till 25 26 that is crazy they did like a complete flip of their entire business model we're going to outspend you. We're going to win. We're going to oh no we're going to now trade everybody like great Mark Cannon is a brewer now I mean, Tommy Pham is now in Arizona. They basically like, who will take our players? Wait a minute. You just last offseason were guaranteeing more money than anybody in the history of baseball, and now you're trying to find every single way to get rid of players. And you want crazy? This, I don't know as baseball fans if you're all that interested in this. I'm interested in the baseball side of it, so I just want to give this to you. To get rid of Verlander and to get rid of Scherzer – you had to commit about $85 million. So think about that. I'm getting rid of Verlander. I'm getting rid of Scherzer, but I'm going to have to spend $85 million to do it. Now, I don't understand the economics enough to understand, like, by getting rid of them, they're going to be getting under these luxury taxes and how much money that will save them long term. I'm sure their business people are bright. I get it. A lot of people are going to tell you what these trades are getting. Acuna's little brother. They're getting this Gilbert guy who's the number one prospect for the Astros. Hey, those two guys are not worth $85 million. But something has to be going on with the fact they're going to get under the luxury taxes, and that's a big deal. But, man, $85 million. The way the state of the country is with inflation and problems and homelessness, you've got a baseball team spending $85 million to ship two players to other teams. That's literally insane. It's one thing. 
that the A's have now DFA'd Manny Pena, and he had a $4 million salary, which – Four and I, a half. Four and a half. Well, I don't know what it is now. There's two months left. Yeah. But the fact we're eating Manny Pena money disturbs me. Can you imagine being a Mets fan, $85 million for these guys to go away? Um, I've got some insight on – funny that lately I've been getting a lot of inside dirt on the Houston Astros. I have legitimate inside skinny on the Houston Astros that I will deliver to you a little bit later today. Gene Tennis going into the A's Hall of Fame. What? When is the weekend? It's uh, this weekend. Is Sun- it this Sunday? Sunday, Sunday yeah. That's going to be at 4.15. Obviously, definitely deserves it. Our buddy Chris Rose from the John Boy podcast, Rose Rotation, will be here at 4.30. Robert Murray, who we love from Fansided, and Martin Gallegos will be here at 6. So Murray at 5.30. We got Rose at 4.30, Gene Tennis at 4.15, and Martin Gallegos. We can't have Martin Gallegos at 6. We're on until 6.30. It's 7.10, first pitch. It's a 7.10? Oh, it's yeah, LA. LA. All three games are 7.10. Wow. Yeah. By that's, way, that's old school. <clears throat> programming note for tomorrow for everyone. We will have Carney Lancer at a 430. Uh, Jason Giambi will be on at 5 o'clock tomorrow. J- the G-Man, Jason so, Giambi? So all the guys going into the A's Hall of Fame will be on AceCast Live today and tomorrow. And uh, where else will all these guys be? On YouTube and Twitter. Uh, no, on AceCast and that's it. Yeah. So this is why you listen to AceCast. Tell everybody this is why you come here. Even in a disappointing season, you come here. For the A's, Jace Peterson is no longer with the Athletics as Jace Peterson has been moved on to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sammy Spinrate is now a Cincinnati Red. And it is hard to believe because as I do here in my – in my uh, keeping track of, I guess we call it my A's portfolio. <laughs> if you remember back, it's my heart of the hide Rawlings portfolio. I have the 26-man roster from opening day. And it's hard to believe that at 30 and 77, so many players from the opening day roster are still here. They were not able to. Uh, we're going to effort to get David Forrest. Obviously, he's busy. But veteran guys like Aletmus Diaz, Jace Peters, well, Aletmus Diaz. Aletmus is still here in the lineup today playing shortstop. Tony Kemp. In the lineup playing left field. I mean, it is hard to believe. Uh, Kirby Sneed coming up. If he appears in a game, will be the 54th player to appear in a game. For Seth the Brown. Seth Brown playing first base today. Ramon Laureano? Not in the lineup today. But still but here. Still in A. Brent Rooker? DHing. Paul Blackburn? Still here, not pitching today. It's Waldy. Wow. I'll give you the lineup real quick. T- today's lineup. Blade leading off center field. Geloff second base, hitting second. Brown hitting third, first base. Cody Thomas clean up right field. Brent Rooker, DH, fifth. Soderstrom catching, sixth. Jordan Diaz playing third base. Like we talked about that on post game. That's we wanted to see that. Uh, hitting seventh, Kemp in left, eighth, and then Aletmus Diaz, batting ninth and playing shortstop. So the reality is something that a lot of us didn't want to see is that we are going to see the veteran guys for the next two months. And what I don't like about it is that it's easy for the front office because they can. 
make their moves. Hopefully we'll get David Force, and I will ask him this question. You know, if you weren't able to unload those guys, it becomes very awkward for us around the team because does this become a death march? What are you going to do? How long are you going to be able to play veteran players that are hitting 200 when all of a sudden in September, or maybe that's not the game plan, but at least I want to know what the game plan is. I mean, are we going to see September call-ups? And if we see September call-ups, you want to see them play. What do you do with veteran guys hitting 200? What do you do? And it makes it tough, like on my job, not just here, but also on A's postgame show, on the clubhouse show, because people are going to be calling. And they're going to be saying, get rid of these guys, get rid of these guys, get rid of these guys. And I'm very sensitive to that. But the front office has put themselves in this position. I mean, people thought that, I, I think it was J.P. Morosi had put that Seth Brown would be somebody that would be put out there. Now, I like Joe Boyle as a guy that, 23 years old, fifth rounder out of Notre Dame. He's a big dude, throws hard. Okay. Got him for Sam Mole. Chad Patrick, 24 years old, a fourth rounder out of. I have it right here, but I'll, I'll play into the bit. Uh, we'll see if you get the college correct, though. Out of? Purdue University Northwest. Yeah, just not <laughs> Purdue. Not Purdue of the Big Ten. Soon to be. How many teams do they have now? I, I 16? Saw, I saw something that. What does yeah. USC and UCLA make? Is that 16 teams? Ooh, I, yeah, that sounds about right. I think it's 16. Uh, not, not the Big 16, the Big Ten. This is Purdue University Northwest. It's not IUPUI, Indiana University, Purdue University, uh, Indiana. So he was a fourth rounder. He's 24 years old. So they at least got guys that were picked in the fifth rounder better. They got guys that can start. They got guys that you can immediately put into your system. I don't care where they're ranked. I've got so much information on that. It's bogus. Um, yeah, there's some great if you did if you weren't able to watch MLB Network today, don't worry, I did for you. Some phenomenal stuff on prospects traded from 2013 to 2022. I've got numbers that are gonna blow your mind when it comes to what we've been sold and what the truth is. Maybe that should be a new segment here. What's being sold and what the truth is. Because the numbers, as they say, what? Uh, number, the, the truth is in the numbers. They don't lie. No, numbers, yeah. And these numbers are, I, I couldn't believe it. And when they were put out there today on MLB Network, all of the guys on the panel, it was a total panel. I mean, it's our guy Dan O'Dowd. Love him. He was fabulous today. Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated. And also MLB Network, uh, HR, Harold Reynolds was out there. All the Greg Amsinger. Police act too, right? Was he there? I didn't see police. Uh, that was earlier. Oh, okay. When they put these numbers out, every one of them went, oh, wow. 
I'm going to leave it at that as my tease. Oh, we got yeah, I got to find the thing from the other last week about the draft picks too. I'm going to tell you when they put this that when they put this graphic up, the whole panel went, "Oh wow." Also, does winning the trading deadline equal World Series? I've got 18, 19, 20, uh, 18, 19, 20. 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, and 22. The winners and losers. Well, I guess we didn't do 20, right? We didn't do – we can't do that because we didn't have a trading deadline. So I have 18, 19, 21, and 20. The trading deadline winners, did they win the World Series? Little hint, none of them did. So we're going to get into that. Are we going to uh, Gene Tennis? Yeah, I'm going to try calling him again Let's see. The great Gene Tennis, World Series MVP, been on this program many times. I have so much respect for Gino, his career. I think it's just fitting that he finally gets in, should be in. Um, I think we got him. Gene, are you there? Yes, I am here. It's Chris Townsend. It's great to have you on the program again, and congratulations on going into the Oakland A's Hall of Fame. I appreciate that. You know, the last time we talked to you recently at the 1973 celebration, you know, I, I just think about all these players, and we've lost some of them lately, but all these guys, how you guys grew up together, what you guys have all meant to each other, what, what your families mean to each other, and now you think about your great A's career, and it's now going to end in the A's Hall of Fame with a lot of the guys you played with and won World Series with. What does that mean to you? Oh, that means a lot to me. Uh, I uh, we got eight guys in there, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that's in the Oakland Hall of Fame already. So uh, that means a lot going in there with all those guys. We got, I believe, we got three more guys on the ballot. So we need to get those other three guys in if we, if at all possible. You know, it's amazing your career. Um, when you think about World Series championships, because obviously you were able to go on and win World Series with other teams, even as a coach. We can get into that. But just talk about when you look back on that time, three straight World Series, just how just incredible, just how incredible it was, all the winning, but to win three straight. Yeah, we had a group of guys that were pretty special. Uh, obviously, we had uh, tremendous pitching was our key and our strength to our ball club, our starting pitching and our relief pitching. Uh, but then you go, you know, then you go with the position players when you got guys like Bando and Campanaris and Dick Green in the infield and Ray Fossey behind the plate, Joe Rudy in left field, Billy North in center, Reggie. Mr. October and right. <laughs> and then you had all these uh, extra guys on the bench that, you know, like guys like George Hendricks, Angel Manuel, Ted Kubiak, and, you know, and, and, and on and on that, you know, guys needed a, a blow, needed a day off. You can insert those guys in a lineup. We never missed a beat. Yeah, and we've had, you know, I've been so fortunate to be around you guys now for so many years and with uh, all the different celebrations and, you know, recently talking to Joe Rudy about it, where how you guys all lived together growing up and next thing you know, you guys are getting married and you're having kids. It's just take us through just the lifestyle of how you guys really grew into men together. So 
we just think of you guys so much as winning championships, but it was more than just winning championships together. You guys were truly like a family. Yeah, we were. Uh, you know, Rudy and I and Bando, uh, we lived out uh, in a we had a home. I had a home on San Ramon. Those two guys, Bando and Rudy, lived in in Danville. They were they were high rent district guys. <laughs> they had they were making more money, so I had to stay in in the San Ramon. <laughs> but then you had Fosse come out there uh, when we acquired him. So we had a carpool, and I think Raleigh was out there too, if I'm not mistaken. So we had like all those guys and we always had a carpool so make sure all the wives always had a car to go into this coliseum so we uh and then we had kids always all had kids and they all got along and you know yeah and we kind of raleigh and i and rudy and bando uh we pretty much well those guys were always a a, a year ahead or two ahead of me in the minor leagues and then i was a late bloomer because i was converted into a catcher and uh, so I had, uh, I was lagging back because I was trying to learn the position. <laughs> but uh, those guys got to the big leagues before I did in 69, and I showed up on the scene. I know I've asked you this so. before, but I, I, I want the fans to hear it again. Uh, it just wasn't the World Series in 72. You came up big in the postseason, ALCS, and the World Series. Just talk about what that time was like. You're 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 taking on what was it Detroit, and then it's the big red machine. Yeah. You end up being the hero. Yeah. You're the World Series MVP. Obviously, there were the threats off the field. Just take us through that time. Yeah, you know, I became uh, in late August, I think it was. Dick Williams made a catching change because Dave Duncan was the number one catcher for the entire season up till I think it was late August. He called me in and he told me that I was from now on I was his number one catcher and all he wanted me to do is catch handle the pitching staff. He didn't care what I hit. So anyway, we go into it and I I did exactly what he said. I didn't hit. <laughs> so you know, I I handled the staff what he wanted and I couldn't get a stinking hit to save my life. <laughs> but then we get into the playoffs with Detroit and I couldn't get any hits in the stinking playoffs. We win the first two games in Oakland. And we go to Detroit, and and God, well, we we, you know, we got this best, uh, what was the best three out of five, I think, yeah. So we lose the next two games, and I'm gonna tell you what I've never experienced that kind of pressure in my life, uh, because now we're in the fifth game, and then uh, uh, we end up winning that game, and I got my only hit in the series, which turned out to drive in a run, George Hendricks from second base with two outs. It was the big hit. So we end up, yeah, we end up winning that game. Vita came in and finished the game out. I think he pitched the last three or four innings. Blue Moon held him to one run, and uh, and and then Vita came in and shut it down, and then we went on into. Cincinnati and now Cincinnati. See, I grew up two hours from Cincinnati. I, you know, as a kid, I grew up in that area. I was only down the river for about two hours from Cincinnati, so I was familiar with uh, with Cincinnati, and uh, I also I had a lot of family and friends there for that series in Cincinnati. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. It was a funny story I tell people because that first day, well, it was a workout. 
uh, and we had, you know, we, you know, we had all these players out there, and I had one guy from where I grew up that did an interview with me. I only did one interview prior to that first game on Saturday. And then after that first game, it seemed like I couldn't get away from doing interviews. It was nonstop. <laughs> it was comic. It was really funny because I did a guy I did an interview from the in Portsmouth where I grew up. Uh, and it was a local paper where I grew up and uh, played Legion ball. And uh, he did an interview with me. It was a short interview. And then the rest of the time, I was able to take batting practice. And these guys, man, they were doing interviews. And I'm getting in a cage. And I'm getting all the hidden in. I kept looking around. Are you guys going to hit? And they were, you know, they were just handcuffed with, you know, stinking reporters. And I just stayed in the cage and just kept taking their swings. And the next thing you know, Saturday, it was the same thing Saturday. They're doing all these interviews right before game. And I'm going, man, it's, it's batting practice time. What are you guys doing? Talk to them after we get done. So I'll, they wouldn't come in the case. So I just told the coach, keep throwing me this thing at BP. You know, we can't leave the fort unguarded. So uh, I got a lot of hidden in, and obviously it paid off. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I ended up having a great uh, first game, and then I had a very great series. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a lot of fun. And World Series, you know, it's it's funny. You, you win three in a row, and then throughout the rest of your career, even as a coach going to, uh, back to 92-93, one of the great teams under Cito Gast, uh, Cito Gast and the Toronto Blue Jays winning the World Series. I mean, just what was that like throughout your baseball career, whether you're a player, you're a coach? You always seem to be in the playoffs, yeah, and you yeah. won a lot of rings. Yeah, I was, I was, I consider myself pretty fortunate, you know, uh, even fortunate enough to even play with a group of guys I played with in Oakland. And I ended up going to getting traded from San Diego to St. Louis mm-hmm. in 81. And then, uh, of course they had that stick and strike in 81. We should have been in the playoffs in 81 and we got bumped out. And, uh, I think Cincinnati bumped us out cause of, uh, I forget how it went. Anyway, we we end up having the best record, and they went and then it went by the second half record. So we got bumped up because we got penalized for winning at the first half, and then the, the strike hit, you know, in '81. And then when they came back, it was who won the second half, and we Cincinnati, I think, won the second half, or somebody won the second half. I don't forget who it was, but anyway, we lost it. We didn't get in the past. So the next year, at '82, we ended up. Finally getting in the playoffs, and then we went all the way to the World Series and beat uh, Milwaukee in seven. And Bruce Souter uh, saved that last game for us to clinch it for us in, uh, in in St. Louis. Yeah, then I ended up in Toronto as a as a coach, and and uh, this is another funny story. Uh, Paul Beeston, I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that name. He was the he's the president of the Blue Jays. Of course, he's just a huge baseball fan, and he's always down on the field. And then we're we're playing Atlanta. Wait a minute, we're playing Atlanta, yeah, in the World Series. And he's he's pacing back and forth. He's a nervous wreck. And I was standing there. I was done with the hitting fungos to my first baseman, and then I called him over. I said, "Boy, are you all right?" He said, "Oh, I'm a nervous wreck." I said, "I said you shouldn't be nervous." He said, "What are you talking about?" I said, what year is this? He goes, 92. I said, okay. I said, 72, I want a world championship. 82, I want another world championship. 
this is 1992, so we're going to win another world championship. And we ended up beating Atlanta. <laughs> and then we played Philadelphia and beat them in 93. You know, so I won you know, back-to-back twice as it, a player and coach. It's just a charmed baseball life, Gene. It's the bottom line. It's a charmed baseball life. Yeah, you got it. I did it the right place at the right time. There's, there's. I don't know about that charm thing. <laughs> well, but you got to have a little skill set. But the, you know, you got to have be doing something right. So you know, whether it's a hitting, whether it's a player or a coach. So you know, you got to have the right personnel. We, you know, Toronto. We had a great club. I'm gonna tell you that we had some talent there in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, we had tremendous pitching. Well, Dave Stewart was there with us. Yeah, Ricky Henderson in '93. Uh, yeah, they helped us win another ring. Yeah, yeah. they, were, they my, were outstanding. My God, you had Dave Winfield, uh, future Hall of Famer at the time, had, had some big hits for you yeah. in that World Series. Then you replaced yeah, him with it, another future Hall of Famer, Paul Molitor. All kinds of talent yeah. on that team. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of talent. Joe Joe Carter, uh, John Olerud, uh, Robbie Alomar. I mean, yeah, the, the list goes on and on. DeWine, DeWine White. Pat Borders, he was a catcher. He was MVP. Yeah, yeah, we had some tremendous talent, and we had great pitching and great bullpen. So there was a, you know, so it's just like in Oakland. We had great pitching and great, great relief pitching. Let's end on this. What do you think it's going to be like on Sunday when you put that green jacket on and you stand up in front of the fans and you give that speech and you officially go into the A's Hall of Fame? You know, I don't know. I've been watching. I've been watching the A's play the Giants, and they had, uh, you know, they had these demonstrators. So I don't know what it's going to be like, <laughs> you know, because they're they're playing the Giants again, and they apparently they've they those fans have gotten together with each other, and they're they're going to be out there uh, pretty strong, I would imagine, with a lot of signs. So I don't know what it's going to be. I'm going to probably diff- mix emotions about how it's going to end up or what's going to take place, but I hope they just control themselves until we get it done. Yeah, I, I, Ace fans will show their respect for you. I can guarantee that because there's always that the utmost respect for, for what you guys did. It's truly amazing. Three straight World Series championships, only the A's and the Yankees. It shows just how hard it is to win one. Gina, we, have, we haven't had a repeat since the Yankees did it in the late late nineties into two thousand, I think people now truly yeah. understand what you did, how amazing it was to win three in a row. Because it just doesn't happen. We can't even get back to back, let alone three in a row. Right, it's very difficult. It's it's difficult to win. It's not because. You know, there's so much talent in the big leagues, in you know, both leagues now, and it's, it's it's so difficult, you know, to win. And and then if you do fortunate to win, to then back it up with another year like you had before, I mean, it's very difficult to you back-to-back, let alone put three of them together. I mean, I don't know if that will ever happen again. Uh, there's only been two organizations uh, that's ever done that in the history of the game, and it's the Yankees and us, so. And of course, they've done it several times. But uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a tough business. I mean, it's tough to win. It's not easy. Well, what a career you've had, and I can't wait to celebrate you on Sunday. I've always appreciate you coming on all the different programs that I have, but especially this one, A's Cast Live. Be well, my friend, and we'll see you on Sunday. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You take care. Appreciate it. The great Gene Tennis joining us right here on A's Cast Live. Six World Series rings. Four as a player, two as a coach. I mean, it's unbelievable. The 1972 World Series MVP. You think of all the great players that played in 1972. A side, Cincinnati side. The Hares versus the Squares. I would like to tell you that uh, I remember that World Series, but I was born in 1972. Uh, what year were you born, Cody? 1988. We getting Chris Rose on the program? Uh, we should have him right now. Hello. Chris, how are you? It's Chris Townsend with the A's. Hey, Chris. How you doing? We just had Gene Tennis on. He's going into the A's Hello. Hall of Fame on uh, – Sunday, and it's and it's so hard to believe there's only been two organizations in the history of baseball to win three straight, the Yankees and the A's. We haven't seen it, the Yankees, since late 90s, early 2000. Man, to repeat or even to win three now is even unthinkable. I'm wondering how he wasn't in the that already. Gene Tennis was a great player. Yeah. Good for him. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, listen, it's uh, it's been a while since we've had uh, back-to-back, right? It's been yeah. since the Yankees won three in a row. So I think that's the longest stretch um, since the advent of the World Series where they've gone without, you know, I mean, we're talking, we're getting close on 25 years. So although the Houston Astros may have just uh, helped themselves out today to move a step closer there. Yeah, we're going to get into the trading deadline with you. I, I just had to say you had me rolling uh, of course, following you on Twitter, and when you took some shots at your buddies at John Boy, the New York version of John Boy, uh, I, I just I, I just couldn't help but chuckle. How does it feel to be in last place? I just that was that was the best. You you had to have fun hitting tweet on that particular tweet. Oh, I I don't even remember having that happen. <laughs> Got to be honest with you, I've I've moved on since then, so. That's just the way it is. It's uh, we're all good here. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, I, I I can tell you, a lot of us out here, we've enjoyed seeing the Yankees in last place, and kind of, you know, you think about New York. You know, Chris, we just had the Mets dedicate more money to any twenty-five, twenty-six man roster we've ever seen in the history of baseball, and then X amount of months later, they punt. Now we see the Yankees basically don't do anything at the trading deadline. Just how odd is that, what we have seen heading up to this trading deadline with the two New York teams? Well, I think it's odder what the Yankees did than what the Mets did. The Mets tried to put together a really good team. I don't think there were a lot of us at the beginning of the season who said, yeah, they're going to be sub-500 at the trade deadline, so they're going to have to revamp their thinking. Now, you know, here's the deal. Max Scherzer came out and told Ken Rosenthal that that his meeting with the Mets brass basically made it sound like they're going to punt next year, that they're not going to do a deep dive into the free agent market and all that. To me, that's the question mark. Like I understand why they traded Scherzer and Verlander and Pham and Robertson, because they wanted to replenish their farm system to the point where they could be the East coast Dodgers. I mean, remember that's what Steve Cohen said essentially when he took over. He said, we want to be the version of them. We're going to have a high payroll, but we're also going to supplement it with an outstanding farm system 
and they've got the payment part down. They have no problem spending money, but uh, they just haven't, they didn't feel like they had the depth uh, in their farm system like the Dodgers do, right? The Dodgers have had a ton of injuries to their starting rotation over the last two years, and they really haven't missed the beat because they've been able to go down on the farm and help themselves out. And the Mets, when they had injury issues or inconsistency issues, they haven't had that same sort of performance. Um, so that's why they did that. Now, for the Yankees, I, I don't get it. I mean, I want to hear their thought process on all they did was add a reliever, a middle reliever. It's, you know, they had to go one of two ways. They either had to say, all right, we are going to try and get some prospects out of this and whatever, or let's step on the accelerator and try and get a bat. Like, they could have done a preemptive strike. They could have tried to trade for Cody Bellinger two weeks ago. But the Cubs went on this roll, and they made him unavailable. And that would have been the best bat on the market, presumably. But they didn't do it. And now they're kind of stuck in nowheresville in a really, really deep division. Well, I'm not an accountant, so I'm going to be curious to see when they actually really start to figure this out because it's about $85 million that the Mets have paid for – Scherzer and Verlander to go away, but then they're going to get under their luxury tax money, which obviously how that's all going to work out, I'm sure their numbers people are going to make it work. They're also getting a couple prospects, Acuna's brother, and younger brother, and also the number one prospect for the Astros. But the whole money thing will be interesting. But, you know, as much as everybody has talked about the AL East this year, this focus back to our division, which we always think, has been fascinating in recent years, the AL West. And now we got the Battle of Texas. We got Houston. We got we mm-hmm. got uh, the Rangers. So the Rangers, they got Scherzer. They got Jordan Montgomery. They pricked uh, – I, I kind of – Chris Stratton is a pretty good pickup for them, a guy that can pitch in a lot of different innings, give you high leverage innings, and they need that in their bullpen. Kendall, great. And then the Astros bring tr- two guys back – this kind of shows a little bit of the conflict with James Click and Jim Crane, but Verlander and Graveman coming back to the Houston Astros. What do you think about the Battle of Texas and what these two teams did? Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Um, listen, Verlander has been on a much better role than Scherzer as of late. Uh, Verlander was kind of slow out of the gate, you know, and it took him a while to get going after an injury plague start to the year. Uh, Scherzer is is en route to arguably his worst season in a dozen years. Um, so we'll see if he can get it going in a new place. I think it's great for him that, that he's still very much in a pennant chase. Uh, I like it that, that the Rangers are all in, right? They've spent a ton of money in free agency over the last two years with the half-billion-dollar middle infield and then continuing to add to that with the likes of DeGrom and Evaldi, um, and just continue to do it. I mean, why not? They've been out of the playoff picture for seven years now. So this that's great, and I think it'll be fun for baseball down the stretch if it's coming down to two teams from the same state for a shot at maybe having a bye or a team that's going to have to go on the road in the first round of the playoffs. I think it'll, it'll be fascinating. It's kind of flipped kind of the playoff picture because at one point we were looking at like, well, there'll be a winner in the Central. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be your Guardians, but 
there's going to be a winner in the Central. There's going to be a winner in the West. And then all the wild card teams are coming from the East. Not so much anymore when you look at this between the Rangers and the Astros. How about that AL East, though? Uh, at the end, Flaherty goes to the Orioles. Some moves made by the Rays. Uh, what did you think about the AL East here at the trading deadline? Well, I understand what the Orioles did. You know, they needed to get somebody that could give them some innings. And I think Jack Flaherty's still good enough to start a first-round playoff game. Um, I would have loved it if, it, it if Verlander had ended up there. I thought that would have been a ton of fun. Because that lineup's good enough to win the World Series, in my opinion. That bullpen is good enough to win the World Series. I don't know if that rotation is good enough to win playoff series, meaning several of them. Um, but it's a great opportunity for Jack Flaherty to increase his value as he heads into free agency. And, you know, the, the Orioles have so many prospects. that. I, but I suppose that if they weren't, you know, Verlander controlled all the decision makers in this one. If he didn't want to go to Baltimore, then I'm not so sure what the Orioles could have done after that, right? Is Eduardo Rodriguez the answer? Maybe. He's had a really good year. He's a guy that would fit in and maybe even start game one of a series, possibly, depending on how he's pitching at the end of the year. But other than that, there's, you know, unless you wanted to go get a guy who has years left on his contract and, and isn't in the position to veto a trade, you know, was Dylan Cease an answer? Maybe he's been up and down this year. He has certainly not been the guy that finished top three Cy Young a year ago, but I would have liked to have seen them get somebody a little who's had a better season or a better last few seasons than Jack Flaherty. You know, the analogy of trying to refuel the plane while it's in the air. If you've ever watched a video of that, it really kind of tells you, like, baseball teams trying to win and trying to replenish farm systems. It's such an interesting analogy. And you're in Los Angeles, and if you're a Dodger fan, and I say Lance Lynn, who, by the way, is going tonight against the Athletics, Joe Kelly, Rosario, Hernandez, Yarborough there at the very end right at 3 o'clock. If you're a Dodger fan... And you know in the future you're looking to land Shohei Otani from your neighbors down south in Orange County. How do you feel about the haul the Dodgers got here at the deadline? So-so. I, I wouldn't feel great about it. The first four guys you mentioned, um, Rosario, Kike, Lynn, Kelly, combined negative war this yep. year. Uh, Kelly still to me is fascinating. He's a guy that can get himself into and then out of trouble with his arsenal. Uh, Kike and Rosario were the two worst defensive shortstops metrically. I know that, that Hernandez is a guy, because of his positional flexibility, it will really come in handy come playoff time, right? If they need to pinch hit somebody, he can, he can go somewhere uh, on the field other than just one position. So that's, that's a big deal. Uh, Lance Lynn, that's the one I don't get. Uh, I know that he is striking out more guys per nine than at, at any point in his career. That's great. But other than that, all his other numbers are not bad. They're atrocious. His first <laughs> inning ERA is over 10. Yeah. So 
you know, tonight's not going to be a great – I'm not here to take shots at the A's, but tonight's not a great barometer to see how he will do as a Dodger. Um, maybe they're just praying that they, he can give them enough until they know what they're dealing with with Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw and if Urias can get back going because right now this rotation, as good as the Dodgers are, is fairly unreliable. Well, I will say this. If you want to unveil them at home against a certain offense, I don't think it could be any better than him coming out against the A's tonight. Sure. I mean, his numbers against the A's, 5-1 and one with a 2-4-1 ERA, his last nine starts. This might, be, this might be, Chris, the perfect time to roll him out. I get it. I understand. But once again, uh, and uh, I, w- I hope that the A's finish the season strong, in October, I will virtually guarantee it that the Dodgers will not face the A's lineup. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go go with that. It would be one of the greatest stories in the history of sports if it ever happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and then some. Uh, it, it, other than the Yankees, if you had to look and say, "Man, I'm surprised they did." Who who would be? Other than the Yankees, the other big disappointment for you at the deadline? Seattle. Seattle, because to me, they're still in this thing, right? They're only three and a half out of the wild card chase. And I say it because their, their starting rotation is filthy. It is really scary. You get them in a short series, good luck. Um, so, once again, you just have to – you just have to make it. And I don't know exactly why they did what they did. I don't have a problem with them getting rid of Seawald. Really good reliever. They've got some other guys. Munoz is a kid that has just got nasty stuff and can throw a billion. But they needed to get guys that could help them instantly. And I'm not so sure that's going to happen right away. Uh, they have so much swing and miss in their lineup that I would like to have seen them get somebody that could put bat the ball a little bit more. But I don't know. I was surprised that Jerry Depoto didn't do a ton. Since you're living in Southern California and you've probably been hearing more about it than, than most places, just now that it's over, Otani stays. Obviously, they went out. We The A's were just in Colorado, so we just got to see Grichik and Crone. Uh, they had G- Giolito and Lopez there with the Angels. What are the emotions you have? Are, are you happy that Shohei stayed? Would you like to see him traded? Where are you now that the dust has settled? Well, um, I understand why they didn't trade him. I get it. Like, once you let somebody go out and eat at another restaurant when they've eaten at the same restaurant for five and a half years, they might go, holy smokes, this, this food tastes great. And I love the ambiance. And the, the staff here is wonderful. And there's easy parking. Like, Shohei only knows what he knows over here in Anaheim. So I understand why you'd want to hang on to him. I just think it would have been fascinating to see what they could have gotten for him. Fascinating, because never before have we seen a player like this. And people will say, well, it was a deadline deal, and people weren't offering, you know, top-tier prospects. 
I call BS on that. I think that is a flat-out lie. I, I, there are teams that would have – who was the best position player that moved? Probably Gritchick. Who was the – I would probably – all around, I'd probably say Gritchick was the best guy who moved. Okay, that's saying something. Yeah. If we really think that Randall Gritchick, who's a, he's a fine baseball player. I would love to sell but, you Jace Peterson. I just don't think I could sell you that used car. Okay, I, I get it. I get it. Well, I'll go. I'll go to the lot in the not far from Scottsdale and see if I can go get that. Yeah. Uh, so you're telling me that you would not have given up a top prospect, like the Orioles wouldn't have given up one. Of, I'm not talking about Jackson Holiday, but I'm talking about the next guys. Maybe some of them who are already up in the big league level to get him just even for two months to throw at the top of your rotation. And to go hit in between Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have put him. Are you kidding me? So, I I don't know. I just you know even if the Angels have a twenty percent chance of landing him, I guess that's better than letting him walk out the door. But there's a real good possibility he's going to walk out the door, and you're going to get the forty first pick as compensation. Enjoy that. Great stuff. We always appreciate having you on. Your podcast is second to none. Uh, quickly, though, before we let you go, it's hard to believe what's starting on Thursday night already. Already. I know. My team, my team, the Cleveland Browns, will be playing in that Hall of Fame game because Joe Thomas will be yep. uh, will be the running the anchor leg of the induction ceremony on Saturday. I'm so happy and so proud of my guy. We, we call the Browns preseason package together. Um, and yeah, we're, we're off and running people. It is here. It is ready to go. And I cannot wait. That's why I kept telling people, Chris, I said, it's important that we pump up the all-star game. We pump up the home run derby, the futures game, the draft, and now the trading deadline, because come August 3rd, it's here. And we're going to start having preseason before you know it. Then we got the big college football games right out of the gate and football takes over. It is so important before we all start watching you on NFL Network. It's so important that baseball gets as much entertainment going before football comes because once football comes, it dwarfs it. I mean, it dwarfs everything. So I think it's pretty simple. It is pretty simple. Um, you know, it's unbelievable. It just when I work at NFL Network and we say there is no off season, and that is the honest to god truth. It really is. Yeah, and your guys covered second to none. We always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good luck with the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Good luck with the season. We'll talk to you later on. Appreciate it, buddy. Be well. Okay. The great Chris Rose joining us here. Uh, definitely one of the top broadcasters that we have in our country. Uh, I, I don't want to bring it up anymore. I think it was definitely a big blow to MLB Network to lose him. They had such an incredible show between him, Kevin Millar, Intentional Talk. It was so good that they put it on ESPN2. They've now changed it. Nothing against Sierra Santos and Ryan Dempster. It's just not the same show. I don't watch it as much. But Chris Rose, 
And I do think Chris Rose, and I have some ideas, and I won't tell you all, but the best damn sports show back in the day on Fox Sports was ahead of its time. That was you, you, you can repeat that show again. It just was ahead of its time. Cable sports wasn't ready. It was a variety show meets sports show. It's John Sally. It's Kevin Arnold. It's uh, like Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. And it's just it just wasn't – everybody was still watching SportsCenter at the time. Now, SportsCenter's dying on the vine. ESPN is dying on the vine. ESPN's in trouble. It's in – they have lost so much of the market. Could a show like that – come back I, I do think so it's just um like chris rose it's always great to have him really appreciate him taking the time probably went a little long with him there but uh he's one of the best and he's been one of the best broadcasters we have in sports for a long time when you can work for mlb network and nfl network at the same time that's saying something by the way uh programming note thursday 4 30 david forrest up. The great David Forrest. Well, while you were talking to Chris Rose. Who's was, his football team? Where's Dave? David's from Southern California. I think I want to say he grew up a Raiders fan. Uh, it's good. We'll find out Thursday. See who he likes in the game. He... Yeah, folks, the NFL. That's who is why. it, Browns and who? And the New York football Jets. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to. Hard knocks. Will he play? No, probably not. Yeah. It's game one. I just. What's his snap count like? How many? What's his completion percentage? That's my favorite thing I see on Twitter, what the 49er quarterbacks are doing. Who cares? It's training camp. Matt Mayoko, we love you to death. <laughs> it's not just May- him. It's all the Niner Raiders. I, I've known Matt Mayoko for well over 20 years. Matt Mayoko is great. It's just like I do not care what Sam Darnold was 6 for 9 and 7 on set. I'm not, I'm not, paying, atten- I'm not paying attention. Four-stringer Brandon Allen was 4 for 4 today. I think that he should be in a running for the job after that performance today at training camp. It's the same. Seriously. But NFL fans eat it up. I know. NFL fans eat it up. Our fans are on Twitter going, Tony Kemp, please don't go. They're talking about, I mean, it's. It's not, it's not even close. Well, that's why I'm saying – that's why I asked the question the other day. Should we start tweeting out uh, how guys are doing in batting practice? Hey, Tyler Schoesherm had five home runs in batting practice. Could be a good game tonight. I think that would be a great thing for you to start doing. <laughs> Charting batting practice. <laughs> I mean, oh, we're uh, we're uh, on the field when it happens. <laughs> um, the Disney Prince, Mr. Good-looking. I mean, your quarterback, yes. Garoppolo? Garoppolo had a bad day yesterday. Done to with Max Crosby. Had a bad day yesterday. Him and Crosby were going at it. Uh-oh. Panic at the panic at the disco. That's a name of a group, right? Yep. And it's, it's, it was the, what was yesterday? The 30th? Uh, 29th? 30, 31st. 31st. It's August 1st already. They had a bad day yesterday. The, your football team's in trouble, folks. No Josh Jacobs. I th- oh, he's holding out again. Raiders season. Because if you don't have your running back in preseason, you're screwed. There's a lot of issues with running backs in football. If we did a football show, we could do it all on what's going on with running backs. Well, because we have figured out in our game, the National Football League, we don't need them. And when I say we don't, yeah, I, I do not need a first-round I don't need you. I can fight running. I can go to running back depot. You know, I always joke about arms depot in baseball. There is a running back depot, and there's all these different aisles you can go get guys. And they have figured out instead of paying one guy a ton of money, I can pay a couple guys 
Because not all you're never going to stay hurt. You're not going to stay healthy. Guys are going to get hurt throughout the season. Pay a bunch of different dudes, and they all have different skills set and base your. You are not lining up Eric Dickerson, Walter Payton, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders behind the line and running this guy thirty times a game anymore. Not happening. Only one guy does it, Just and he's one. he can't do it anymore. Yeah, Eric I mean, can't do it anymore. I mean. I mean, before this four That's right, over. Before, Your quarterback is sitting in shotgun. Your quarterback yeah. never even goes under center anymore. Before, Hardly. Before the four ers got Christian McCaffrey, who was the big first-round pick running back they had? First-rounder? Uh, wasn't Raheem Mostert. No, first-rounder. You're talking yeah, about ta- first pick in the first round. Yeah. The Niners? Yeah, it's been a while. Running, the, the Lions just took a running back in the first round this year. Um, there really name? hasn't been any. Josh Jacobs was kind of a, like there was people in Raider Nation went what are you doing? Well, usually Alabama running backs don't pan out besides Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs. Doesn't matter what college, like any. Pick, well, Najee take, Harris is pretty good. Taking a running back in the, the program in Najee the first Harris. round is ridiculous. Now, yeah, that's what I said. I think the you Lions know, are the only ones to you take one. A, you can get a free agent guy off the street and he rushes for a thousand. How many thousand yard rushers have the Broncos had over the years? Alandis Gary, uh, uh, Mike Anderson. Dude, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, I'm just naming some of the ones there's from L.A. years. There's a bunch of them. You can get a running back anytime, anytime. You can take him in the fourth round, fifth round, sixth round. Get him off the street. Wait till somebody releases a guy. You pick him up and bring him in. Speaking so full circle. And, and probably the most important thing now, can he block and can he catch? Can you re you, – if we're going to sit our quarterbacks – are we doing a radio show again? If we're going to sit our quarterback and shotgun all day long, your running backs have to be able to pass, protect, and read blitzes, or you're going to get your quarterback killed. And he's got to be able to be a receiver out of the backfield. In these offenses today, that is so important. I was going to say, your running back could be a – when he gets the ball, he could have great lateral. He can have great vision. All that matters, but if he can't – be in pass protection, he's worthless to you. That's why the, the, you realize that, right? Yeah. That's, that's why, a huge thing. Like, these offensive coordinators will tell you, I don't care how good you run the football. If you can't pass if you can't pass protect as a back, I can't have you in the game because you're going to get our franchise guy killed because we throw the ball. We're a shotgun spread offense. That's what everybody does. What happens when you spread the field out with a bunch of wide receivers and tight ends? Spreads the defense. Okay. What else? Um, I'm, I'm not a football coach. Okay. Football is here. Like, this is the football, and all your players are out here. And this is where the football is. What's the problem? Go anywhere. I don't have a lot of guys to block. And if they bring the house, and all I got is five linemen and a running back, that back better be able to pass protect because I'm spreading everybody out. Great, I've spread the field, but my $40 million guy is a little unprotected. And if he gets hurt, season's over. Yeah, there's not a lot of good pass pro running backs out there. That's what I say before we get back into baseball. The, the, the that's Jet, Gang made, Green's looking to sign Dalvin Cook. That's what made Frank Gore. I'm not a Niner guy. That's what made Frank Gore so special. Just hired by the Niners working in the front office. Frank Gore could run the football, but as Jim Harbaugh would tell you, Frank Gore was such a smart football player. Frank Gore read blitzes. Frank Gore didn't get, whether it was Alex Smith, whoever, he wasn't going to get him killed because he had a, he knew how to pick up defenses. Read the, he, First of all, before you block somebody, you got to know who to block. Frank Gore was really good at that. 
Should be a Hall of Famer. He will be, I think. Yeah, I think he'll get in. And he's, in, like I said, just hired by the Niners in the front office. That's my olive branch to you, 49er fan, because I know a lot of A's fans are uh, 49er fans. Oh, this is the year. Brandon Allen, 4 for 4 in practice today. I think uh, Brock Purdy was 8 for 10 with a drop. Right, pick. I don't want to yeah. talk football anymore. Right. Well, we should probably take a break. Get to some sponsors. Why? I want. I have inside information on the Astros. Inside. Inside, inside. All right. Text everybody you know. I got dirt on the Strohs. <laughs> Coming up next, Chris Townsend, inside, inside. No, I'm not going to sources. I don't need sources. I'm my own source. My source told me. I got dirt on the Strohs next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend, and it is summertime. You want to look your best, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Commander Cody, we've got our new shipment from Link Soul, all the summer gear. So whether you're playing golf or you're going out for dinner, you're hanging out with your buddies, or you're going to the beach, go see our friends at LinkSoul.com. And right now they have an offer where you can get 20% off. Go to LinkSoul.com. Remember in the big leagues, look good, play good. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Give you a little note from the notes today. As the only position player we got rid of was Jace Peterson. Lance Lynn has not been great. But, by the way, Dodgers have not been great. Dodgers have lost five of seven. There are pitchers during that time, their starters 0-4 with a 7-3-9. Lance Lynn has allowed an MLB high 28 dingers. Take a guess what his ERA is. It's over six, isn't it? 6.48. 6.47, second oh, highest so close. in MLB. But do you realize how bad the White Sox defense has been? They were a negative defensive run saved. That's not even close. They're not the worst, though. Minus 45 defensive run save. That is horrific. Do you know what the last place team's number is? Uh, yes, you do. Yeah, I do. Because I thought it was minus 68, but you corrected me and said it was minus 67. I, 66. I short- oh, see, I shortchanged them. Minus 66. I, gave them, I said they were too bad. Uh, that'd be, that'd be uh, the A's. The A's? Defensive run saved is minus 66, the worst in baseball. Next closest is the White Sox at minus 45. And all the A's were able to get rid of was Chase Peterson. 
I was going to see what I was looking to see what Jay says. Um, yep, minus sixty-six. That's minus sixty-six. Give me a second. I'll see what Jace was. So at least you could like field a team that can field, right? Uh, if you're not going to hit, at least play defense. All positions. Uh, Ramon Laureano is our best defender. He's ten defensive runs. He's safe. great. Uh, Nick Allen three. He's plus. Yeah. Uh, there you go. And he's not playing tonight. Thank God. Uh, Jace what, what's Diaz in defensive run save? Which one? Aletmus. Minus seven. Oh, yeah. We got him a shortstop tonight. Yep. Uh, I, 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 Jordan I, Diaz is a positive one. Jordan Diaz, even though Jordan Diaz made the air on Sunday, he did make two, sco- two scoops. He's not a bad. I, I actually think. Because Aletmus threw two balls into the ground. Do they not have. Uh, Jace Peterson is a minus four. So people. So he got people, rid of that. If people don't understand how it works, from what I learned years ago when I first learned about how they equate, uh, calculate this, every 10 defensive runs saved is equal to one win for your team. If you're Obviously, if you're a minus 10, you're costing your team a win. So, there you go. Jace but almost, it's only one win. Yeah, well, Jace is uh, essentially half a win costing the Diamondbacks. Not, well, now Diamondbacks, well, formerly with the A's. You could have gotten better by getting rid of players. You didn't get rid of players, so you didn't get better – for the future, and you're still really bad defensively. So I understand you're bad offensively, but you're really bad defensively too. The 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 biggest surprise to me, I don't know, I don't know if it surprised you or not, but in the deal for Jace Peterson, uh, the A's also sent cash considerations to Arizona. <laughs> but then the other one, we got international money from no, I think, I the think Reds. Didn't we send international money? No, I think we got international money. Let me uh, let me see. I thought that too. Then I re- I reread the email. Uh, let's see. The Oakland A's have acquired right-handed pitcher Joe Boyle from the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for left-handed pitcher Sam Mall and international pool money. So we gave up money in the international pool? See, I read on MLB trade rumors that we got it. But then again, our PR would be. They, they would know. I mean, I'm reading the press release. We gave international pool money to get a, how tall is this guy? Six, Six seven. We we gave up San Mole and international money to get a fifth round bra- draft pick. Who's? I mean, he's got potential. I mean, it, I I just it just. See, I'm saying you probably had to give that stuff up. Well, I don't know, Sam. I did. by the way, I, w- when do I have time? You haven't given me time. I got a bunch of information. You haven't given you went, me time. Well, you tease your Astros thing. So let's do the Astros. What time is it? Five o'clock. Yeah, you, we have time you got for twenty Robert minutes. So Robert Murray comes. Up. Our good friend. Okay. From so this is what I have found. It is amazing. It truly is amazing. And I don't know if anybody will ever truly do a full-on, full-on, because they've already done books, but it was about the cheating scandal. But you need to keep investigating the Astros because it is amazing the success they have had despite all the dysfunction. It, It is literally crazy. Sometime, I don't know when, we're going to need to go back and look at and go, how did these guys win two World Series, go to four, and be in the ALCS six straight years when all of this dysfunction? By the way, the cheating scandal was a long time ago. And they still, as I was recently told by an Astro employee, it's a horrible place to work. It's still to this day a horrible place to work. I was recently told that. And Luno's been gone for years now, three yeah, years. Yeah, this isn't about Luno anymore. 
And what we're learning right now, and what I have learned, is that there was such dysfunction, James Click, who was running the team, and the owner, Jim Crane, that there's a reason why you win the World Series immediately after the World Series, you tell your general manager to go take a hike. I don't know if we've ever seen that in the history of baseball. Like, immediately after the World Series. Like, the GM guys were all going to meet, and he, yeah, you're not, you're out. He didn't have a deal. I mean, you win the World Series, and the owner goes, you're out of here. Jim Crane is so dysfunctional, yet overcomes all of it. And, (laughs) And James Click, the GM, he's super dysfunctional. So everywhere you look inside the Astros is dysfunction, and it doesn't matter, they continue to win. And look at the two deals that they did. This is what I found out. James Click did not want to re-sign Kendall Graveman when Kendall Graveman got that deal by the White Sox. Jim Crane wanted to re-sign him. Click said no. Owner went, whatever. Kendall Graveman moves on to the White Sox. Justin Verlander, you got the Cy Young, you got the World Series, let him sign the big deal with the New York Mets. And obviously there was dysfunction going on because Crane's a Verlander guy, Click's not, and while they're while they're in their little dance and Crane's about to show his you-know-what to the door, Verlander signs with the Mets. Who are the two guys that were Jim Crane guys? Now Dana Brown has been sold as a baseball guy. Expos, Braves, Blue Jays, now finally after all this time gets a shot to be GM. Call him a figurehead, whatever. Behind the scenes, Jim Crane, the owner, is still calling the shots. He's still the owner. He's like a um, behind-the-scenes Al Davis, Jerry Jones. I was going to say Jerry Jones. Where Jerry Jones learned. Al Davis? See, that's not fair. See, Al Davis, see, the problem is associating with Jerry Jones with Al Davis is not fair. Why? Great question. Al Davis was a successful football coach. Uh, He's a football man. For God's sakes. Al Davis was a coach of the year in the AFL. Al Davis coached at USC. Al Davis was there with Sid Gilman in San Diego and then came to Oakland and was a great football. Al Davis was a football coach. He was a real – he was paid to be a head football coach. Jerry Jones, just a guy who played line at Arkansas and then got into oil and made money. And now people try and compare him to Al Davis. It's like, stop. But whatever. Jim Crane, another rich guy, he's, he's, pulling, the, he's pulling the strings. So who are the two guys – that the Astros picked up here at the deadline that James Click let go that Jim Crane liked. Kendall Grafman. One. And uh, uh, that guy that's going in the ho- future Hall of Famer, Justin Verlander. I mean, I'm like hearing this story over the weekend. I'm being told this. I'm like, wait a minute. You already had these guys. You let these guys go, and now you got to reacquire them? You had to reacquire them. They were yours. 
The only thing, and no prospects, no, that it was just money. Which, by the way, according to this person I talked to, I hate, I hate the word source. Uh, they've got plenty of money. Astros are printing money. They got plenty of money. Now they've conned the Mets for paying a lot of the uh, Verlander money. I, I have the exact figures on it for Verlander. This is from Mark Feinstein. Verlander's owed $58 million in 23 through 24, of which the Mets will pay $35 million, according to a source. If Verlander's $35 million uh, option for 2025 vests, the Mets will pick up $17.5 million, bringing their total to $52.5 million in the trade, all of which will count against their CBT. So, you had Verlander, you had Graveman. You now had to go out and reacquire him because of the. it was purely the relationship of the owner and the general manager. And still to this day, here they are. I, is it one game back still? I didn't check. I played golf all day yesterday. I, I was asleep at the wheel yesterday. They're a half game back. Astros are a half game back where we stand right now, August 1st. Half game back. They've acquired Graveman, Verlander. Verlander, by the way, last seven starts, 4-1 and one with a 1.49 ERA. He is hot. Now, Scherzer is not that. Scherzer's been – Scherzer has not been good. In over a year, Scherzer's been – I mean, go back to the playoff game against the Padres. What do you give up? Five, four, five home runs? Yeah, did I send you the thing about the Mets? Yeah. December third December first, twenty twenty one. Mets signed Max Scherzer. December second, twenty twenty two. Jacob DeGrom signs with Texas. December seventh, twenty twenty two. Mets signed Verlander to replace DeGrom. <laughs> July 29th, twenty three. Mets trade Max Scherzer. August first. Mets trade Justin Verlander back to Houston. <laughs> it's a it's it's but you look at it. This is going to be exciting. And once again, the AL West is the main player. Funny how that we, we weren't that long ago from AL East is historic. Remember, the two divisions that have had the best winning percentage in the wild card era are both the AL West from like 01 and 02. You know, I remember one of those years, A's won 102 games, Mariners won 116. 2001. I mean, crazy. So, everybody was talking about the AL East. And right now, forget the AL East because they're starting to drop off fast. Boston's just 56 and 50. Yankees are 55 and 51. Yankees did not do anything. Still in last place. Boston had didn't do anything. Uh, DeYoung ended up getting traded to Toronto. If you didn't hear about Bo Bichette last night, rounding first. Oh, I don't know why I'm doing that because you can't see it. Bo Bichette grabs his knee. Trainers come out. MRI today, no structural damage. But obviously, they got DeYoung uh, from uh, St. Louis. They also got – and they got Jordan Hicks, the, the hard-throwing. Jordan right, Hicks also came over. Uh, but not not – Nothing earth-shattering happened in the AL East. And then the Orioles get Flaherty. Not, not, nothing earth-shattering. Yeah. Oh, no th- position players. Yeah. No, no, nothing happened. What, I mean, what happened in the AL? You got Verlander, Scherzer. Look at Texas. Scherzer, Montgomery, Stratton. They got guys. The Hedges, Verlander, Cra- Graveman. They got guys. The AL East did nothing. Yeah. Oh, uh, Tampa Bay acquired Aaron Savali. Tampa. I, I know. I'm just saying that's, that's the move they You're made. You're killing me here. I'm trying to tell the story here. The AL West is what's the player right now. Like, you want to play – I mean, this is what this division, our division, 
which we could play spoilers in, our division is the one that matters now. Because the everybody's been focusing on the AL East. What did they do? How did they get better? And then Baltimore... I heard this today, and yes, there, 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 there's been a lot of criticism of the Oakland A's, and I get it. Some very warranted. Do you realize how many teams are just like we are, though? It's more than you think. It, 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 is, it, it is crazy. You may not really think about it. The Baltimore Orioles next year only have $25 million committed. That's it. You'd be amazed how many teams don't have money committed. Remember, 11 teams went into this year without spending $100 million. We got crushed. I get it. I'm not, I'm not defending anything. I'm saying criticism against us in a lot of ways is warranted. But there were 11 teams not spending $100 million. We're one of them. You've got a bunch of teams that are not spending the money you think they should be spending, including the team everybody's in love with right now, the Baltimore Orioles, they only have $25 million. Cedric Mullins is like the only guy they got next year, and I think it's like for $4.1 million. That's it. You've got a bunch of these teams that are really in the same boat as the Oakland Athletics. And that gets to a whole different thing. I don't even want to get into it. It's the next CBA, but it just goes to show. And – as there's 11 teams not spending $100 million at the start of the year, everybody went, oh, but look at these teams that are going for it, the New York Mets. New York Mets just punted all their money. And two things I want to get into. First, I, I, I want to get into this whole thing about prospects being a fraud. This thing is, I, I saw these numbers today. It floored people. But – Winning the trading deadline, all these different moves that I have for you right here, what do they really mean? Because when's the last time a winner of the trading deadline won the World Series? I'll take you to 2018. Who's the big name? Would have been Well, the Red Sox won the World Series, but I don't remember them getting anyone big. Nope. Who was the big name? Who was the big winner? Be the L.A. Dodgers because they got – Manny Machado. Oh, that's right. And the Boston Red Sox had a bunch of small little moves, won them the World Series. 2019, who was the big fish and won the trading deadline? Astros. Who'd they get? Granky. Granky. Who won the uh, World Series? Nats. The Nats. They got bullpen help. They had a good team, good bullpen. But it was no – Yeah. So – 2020, different deal, can't count it. 2021, who won the trading deadline again? They wasn't the Astros. Be the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mad Max, Max Scherzer, and Trey Turner. Trey Turner. Who won the World Series? I was drawing a blank on the World Series that year. Oh, Braves. That would be the Atlanta Braves, and they remade their outfield. Jock Tober, Jock Peterson. Rosario. Soler, right? Yeah, Eddie Rosario. They get they they just got a bunch of no-name outfielders, and it took off. Acuna got hurt. But, uh, yeah, Jock Tober and his pearls. The pearls Remember that? The, per- the pearls, yeah. No one said, what? No one said that was the big deal. And here you had Max Scherzer, Trey Turner. And then last year, who was the big fish? 
who was the big fish last year at the trading oh, deadline. Juan e. Soto. Oh, Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Oh, Josh Hader, Chris Drury, all going to the San Diego Padres. Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury. Chris Drury, great hockey player. Was that a wrestler? Uh, Wasn't no, a Drury? Chris Drury's a hockey player. Hockey player. Uh, isn't that the big deal right there? Yes. Oh, Josh Bell got traded again this year. But that was <laughs> the big deal. Who won the World Series last year? Uh, the, the Astros. What were their major deals? I don't remember them making one. Christian Vasquez. And, oh, Will Smith. Not the guy slapping at the Oscars. Or the Dodgers catcher. The left-handed pitcher, Will Smith. Think about that. Christian Vasquez, Will Smith. So so the last one to do it essentially would be the Astros in 17 then, right? When they got Verlander. Yeah. It just goes to show this, what we, what we did today is exciting, but what does it mean? I don't know if it means anything. What does it mean? Adding to the fabric of your roster versus trading for the big fish. Last few years, trading for the big fish hasn't, hasn't amounted to a World Series. You haven't won. The, the big winner, the big, you know, really kind of look at it. Big winner, winners of the winter meetings and the big winners at the trading deadline haven't been the team that are hosting the trophy at the end. Yeah, we thought, and we thought the uh, team that won the winner was, like, what, the Mets probably, yeah? Mets getting. Mets or the Padres, yeah. right? Uh, both, uh, well, Mets sold. Uh, Padres, Padres are going for it. Well. Uh, three yeah. games under. They're 0-10 uh, they're in X ratings, but they're going for it. Some people would say. Yankees holding on to Aaron Judge won the winter meetings. They're 55 and 51 sitting in last place and did not make a move. Don't give me some bogus relievers. Two small relievers. They made no moves. Remember all the talk of they're going to trade Bader or Glaber or Connor Falefa? They kept all of them. They just struck out 30 times in two games, the biggest two-game stretch of strikeouts in the history of the New York Yankees. I love the analogy, you're trying to fly the plane and refuel at the same time in the air. Have you ever watched that? you ever watch those old documentaries? You might be too young. But back in the day, before we would shoot nukes out of the ground, we had airplanes, bombers that flew 24-7 around the globe with nuclear weapons. Did you know that? No. Okay. So back in the day, look it up, kids. When we were in the arms race... Uh, back in the day against the Russians, the Cold War, both of us, we had planes that were going 24-7 with nukes. That's how we did it. And they would have to refuel these planes in midair, and it was very dangerous because obviously turbulence and everything. If you ever you Look it up on YouTube, refuel a plane. And it's crazy. Every time I've seen the movie, it never ends well. So that's basically what these teams have tried to do. And it, it, it's backfired. I cannot wait to see how this is all going to play out. It's going to be fascinating. Unfortunately, like we said, football starts Thursday. But this is going to be fascinating. We're going to follow it here on A's Cast Live. How, roster construction. How do you build the roster? How do you spend money? It just keeps evolving and keeps getting stranger by the minute. Like these decision-making like, – how could you be a – and obviously everybody knows I hate the Giants, but how could you be a Giant fan when you know 
the Giants have all this money, and the best thing you do is go out to get a hurt A.J. Pollock because he can hit left-handed pitching? He's hurt. You just traded for a hurt guy with a bad hamstring who's got bad splits except he hits left-handers, and that is the move you made? And they got a guy that the, guy, the other guy they got in the deal was a guy that was recently DFA'd by the Pirates. I mean, how how are you as a San Francisco Giant fan thrilled about that today? Well, people tell you that they're they're loading up for Otani, they're saving for Otani. Now, I would I would ask the honest question: Do you really believe that? As a Giant fan, do you really believe that? I don't. I'm not asking. I'm saying if you were a Giant oh, fan, yeah. where, where you had Aaron Judge turn you down, Correa accepted the deal, you're now like, as we told you here, thank God he didn't accept it because what a disaster that would be. And then you've heard Correa, who can't even stay healthy in year, would have been year one of your 13-year deal. Correa said, you know what, I don't even know if I want to play after six years. <laughs> yeah. So the Giants escaped that. But if you're the San Francisco Giants, you're trying to sell to your fan base – your fan base, the one thing that you did was A.J. Pollock. How the hell do you sell that? That's another typical small move that from, you know, it's what there was a really good tweet about it, about it crosses off every cliche that Farhan uses when he looks at guys. Yeah, what was that again? DFA'd, uh, Bay Area native, uh, utility guy, and there was one other thing. It was like four of them. He truly is the one guy that has played money ball with money. The way they the way they run their team, the way they run their forty man, now their twenty six man roster, how they're going out trying to compete every single night, love using the opener. They're matching up with lefty righty matchups in the third inning. Yeah. I mean, this is like moneyball on steroids. We saw it firsthand in the series against the A's. Yeah, because you got to bring in a lefty to face Tony Kemp because you're worried what he may go yard in the third inning when you're already up three nothing. Yeah. I mean it's just it's it's I, I mean, I hope the Giants fall flat on their face, and I can't. They're a bunch of scumbags anyway in that ownership. So I, 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 I hope they fall flat on their face. You know how I feel. But when I say it, it's obviously people think I'm just trolling. Cause, no, because I, I literally, if you know my history, I can't stand Giants ownership. Has not. We love Farhan. Farhan's a great guy. Gabe Kapler's been on this show. I have respect for Gabe Kapler. Has nothing to do with the players. It's my personal thing with people that still work in o- or ownership around ownership. Yeah, they're scumbags. So I hope they fall flat on their face. And I'm not the only one that's going to tell you that in baseball, by the way. I believe you. I'm not the only one that's going to say there's a lot of skeletons in that closet right behind that Willie Mays statue. Oh. There's a lot of before we get to Robert Murray, got a surprise for everyone on Thursday. Robert Murray's fabulous, by the way. He, he, I can't wait to see what he has. When when Grichik is the best position player traded at the deadline, how do you feel? Oh, well, let's add him. Is he here? He's here. Oh, there he hey, is. Yo, how are you? I'm great, man. I'm tired, but what a what a whirlwind of the last couple of days. How are you? Okay, so how do you feel? Like, do you feel like if you went to a buffet and this was the trading deadline, are you stuffed? Do you think, eh, I didn't love the selection? Where are you on this trading deadline? I would leave the buffet and I'd go find a different restaurant to go fill up again because this one left me pretty starved. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. 
Uh, I was asked earlier, and we've got pretty much all the moves written down, who I thought was the best position player to go. And Grichik, who the A's we just saw in Colorado uh, for three days, I would have to say as an all-around player, he is the best guy. You're not wrong. I mean, he's definitely primarily he's firm in, or firmly in that conversation. And that was basically the talk of all of these different teams is how weak that hitting class was. I mean, you're talking about Tommy Pham, Randall Grichuk, CJ Crone being like at the top of that list. And in years past, those would be like mid tier guys. And these teams realized that those level of players were the top guys and they were asking for some really high prices. And that's why we didn't see that many deals uh, made in the last 40 to 72 hours. And it felt like at some point the dam was eventually going to break and it just did not happen. And I think the high asking prices, the weak hitting class, and a few other different factors played into that. And it had probably one of the weaker deadlines in recent memory. How much of it too was once Otani was off the board that just kind of changed the historical nature exchange, took the sizzle out of the steak? Oh, and it absolutely did. Yeah, because, I mean, we're talking about the greatest or arguably the greatest player in Major League history uh, possibly being on the market to no longer being on the market. And if the Angels did sell Otani, then we're talking about a, a bunch of their players being sold. And as soon as that ended up happening and the Padres decided that they were not going to sell, um, it, the writing was on the wall for this to be a pretty underwhelming deadline. And it, it, it definitely delivered in that way. It was It was very underwhelming. I don't know if you're watching MLB Network earlier, but they put up a graphic. And, you know, when guys are on television for a long time, like that's a long show, the deadline show. And, you know, they're seeing a lot of different stuff, and there's a lot of stuff in everybody's ear. But they put up a graphic that made everybody on the panel go, whoa. I even went, oh, my God. I paused it, took a picture of it so I could write it down so I could present it to you because I wanted your opinion on this. Trading deadline deals from 2013 to 2022. Prospects traded 573. Out of the prospects of 573, only 3% of those became impact players. Wow. So if I said, you know what, Robert, give me your whole retirement. I'm going to invest your retirement, and you're only going to get this? Like, if we went through money and went – I could not, but like, they all were like, is that true? Like, it just goes to show, or maybe we're just being sold this bag of goods when everybody says that, oh, you got to replenish your system. You got to go trade. If I'm replenishing the lake, I want great white sharks. I want bull sharks. I want hammerhead sharks. I don't want goldfish. And this stat right here. And this thing says you're replenishing your system with a bunch of goldfish. If you're telling me 3% of all the guys traded since 2013 who are prospects at the deadline became impact players, what does that say to you? That says a whole lot to me. And it it kind of reminds me of a Family Guy reference. I don't know if I can say that on the show. Yes, Um, you can. Yeah, it's like it reminds me of when Peter Griffin had to decide between a boat or what was in a box, and he was thinking it could even be a boat. And it's like, basically, the boat is a sure thing, and the, the box is a lottery ticket. And these prospects are basically a big lottery ticket. And I'll tell you, that I did not see that stat on the MLB Network earlier today. That is a wow stat. 
And I think that is something that these teams have to take into account is these prospects, their lottery tickets, you don't know what they are. And when you acquire a major league player, you know, or you have a very good idea of what you're getting. Um, and maybe that played into account on some of these deals not being made or because there was a lot of players that I thought entering the day were going to be traded that were not traded. And maybe that played into it. Maybe it was the high asking prices. I don't know. But the fact that it was that low of odds for those prospects and those deals to make it, I think that says a lot. Who are the guys that you thought were going to get dealt that didn't get dealt? Oh, boy. There was plenty of guys. I thought somebody with the Yankees was going to end up going. I thought it was going to be Harrison Bader or Glaber Torres. There was buzz when I woke up this morning that Torres might have, might end up going. Um, I thought, I'm trying to think. There was, I thought Eduardo Rodriguez was going to end up going. Uh, like that deal with the Dodgers was agreed upon, um, but he did not end up going uh, just because he ended up vetoing the trade with his no trade clause. Um, I thought there was, I thought Brent Suter was going to go with the Colorado Rockies here. Let me actually, I'll even pull up the list on my phone real quick. Um, I thought Clevenger was going to go. I thought Jose Quintana was going to go with the Mets. Uh, there was buzz that, his market was heating up throughout the day and I thought he could end up going. Um, I thought, um, I thought Austin Barnes with the Los Angeles Dodgers was going to go. Cause there's pretty significant buzz that the Dodgers are kind of moving close to moving on from him. And I thought that was going to end up being the time and maybe they could do a similar deal with what the pirates did with Austin Hedges and, and trading him for uh, international cap space. Yeah, I it, it's when Grichik is by far. I mean, then we, then then we were like, well, you know, technically Jake Berger's hit home runs, but he's hitting. What'd you say he was hitting, Cody? Two seventeen or something like that. Uh, two fourteen. Two fourteen. We're talking about a guy hitting two fourteen. People like the damn. Uh, yeah. it's just a and, shocker. And also, actually, there's two others that I thought had a shot of getting traded today too. They're actually with the A's. Um, I thought it was Seth Brown and uh, Tony Kemp. And Seth Brown, I had heard his name mentioned with a few different teams. I heard the Yankees and the Astros uh, were poking around there, and I thought that had a shot of getting done. But everything I heard from these rival teams was that the asking prices were absurdly high for him, and the A's what? held him in very high regard in trade talks. What? It just I, Seriously, for, for the direction that the A's are in, the fact that Seth Brown's still here, Tony Kemp's still here, Aletmus Diaz is still here, Paul Blackburn's hmm. still here, uh, did I mention Tony Kemp? Like all these guys, it's like I, 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 I'm shocked. As yeah. young guys are going to be coming, tr you're going to have September call-ups going to be coming, and we got a bunch of veteran guys hitting 200. I, I, I if you could have moved them, and you're telling me word on the street is we were asking a lot for our veteran guys. Yeah, that's exactly what was happening, and I, I thought like. With the interest that Brown was getting, uh, especially from, like, as I said, the Yankees and the Astros were two of those teams that were poking around, you would think that he had a shot at going, but with those asking prices, it, it basically all these teams were like, we're not going to pay this. This is too much. And um, they, they could have gotten something useful for him in return for sure. And even then, like, uh, the switch knows for a second, some more players that I thought could have gone. If the Giants did not have uh, those injuries to their pitching staff, I was very confident they were going to be trading one of their starters or bulk guys. I thought Alex Wood was a perfect candidate for that. And I was even told a week before the deadline, he was likely going to be traded. Um, I would imagine his market would have been pretty extensive because he's been 
he's been relatively solid in that bulk role out of the bullpen and he wants to he wants to be a starter and I thought he would end up going but those injuries prevented that now I I just want to let everybody know the one thing about our veteran players all those guys I just mentioned a lot of them are in the lineup tonight they're great people and mm-hmm. I, I root for these guys to go play on teams who have a chance. And if I'm a veteran player, being on a team that's 30 and 77, if you're going to give me a chance to go win something, potentially a World Series, which is my childhood dream, people yeah. should want to let them go and to let them do that. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah, did you, you heard, I think you heard me uh, talk about the Giants. A.J. Pollock? Like, you're the Giants. You have all this money. You you. AJ Pollock, like that—that's the best you got. That—that—that that, that blew my mind too. I thought they were going to be doing something more than that, and then they're—that the end of the day, they end up getting AJ Pollock and Mark Mathias for cash, and that's the only move they make at the deadline. That is an extremely confusing deadline for me. I, I don't get it. I think, I mean, the in the organization, they're they're optimistic that they can get something more out of Pollock than he showed in Seattle. Um, at least that's what they're saying publicly. But on the surface, I don't know how you sell that to your fan base. Like you're, you're relatively competitive. You're in the in the hunt for a postseason spot, and that's all you do. Um, does not make much sense to me at all. I know they're in the organization. They're they're talking about the guys coming back, um, specifically Kyle Harrison. They expect him to be debuting um, in the not so distant future, but. As far as trade deadline acquisitions, if I was a Giants fan, I'd be really upset. The whole Houston Astros, what I've learned about Click and Crane, the division led to some guys leaving, Crane wanting guys back. I think you see two of them in Graveman and Verlander. I mean, when it's all said and done, I don't know when we'll really go back and look at it because the cheating scandal's over. But they're so dysfunctional. I was recently told by an Astros employee how they're just it's a it's still a miserable place to work. It's just is it just is it crazy how they continue to win despite all of their own dysfunction? Yeah, I'll tell you, I was I was actually talking to somebody about it the other day. And the fact that the Astros, despite switching GMs, despite switching managers and being years removed from it, and they're still competitive and they basically have not blinked an eye, at least on the field. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Have they gone about it like in terms of just in terms of where it was with Jeff Luno and now have they handled it like well, um, or I want to, how do I want to phrase that? They could, they obviously they've had a lot of blips in the radar throughout that, but they maintain being competitive and I think they deserve credit for it because there's not many organizations who could have withstood that. Um, and when it comes to Justin Verlander, he he's been there before and yeah. he clearly, he, he wanted to go back. Like that was a spot he wanted to be. And like, just to go th- run through his market real quick, obviously the Dodgers were involved, but they were never really optimistic. They were more pessimistic than anything about their chances throughout that entire thing. The San Diego Padres got reported today. That interest was totally overblown. They checked in just to see what the price was. They do that on every single player. Um, and it never really advanced further than that. The Braves were always overblown. Uh, the Orioles, I think that actually did have some some merit to it. Um, I think they were firmly involved, but at, at the end of the day, it was basically the Astros or nothing. Uh, I think the Astros wanted him so badly, 
the Verlander wanted to go to the Astros and that's how they got it done. And um, despite being in that culture before, he wanted to go there again. Is it doing your due diligence in San Diego or does AJ Preller just want everybody to think he is on everything? He's he is in on everything. Oh, he is on everything. I, I can confidently tell you that it is. It is remarkable. I was there was a team that I talked to early this morning um, and they said that when you deal with Preller, you, you got to know that he has 15 other things going on and you, you got to be mindful of that. And he is and he checks on everything. He has a pulse on everything that goes on throughout the league because he wants to know who's available, what the price is. And if there's an opportunity to add a player at a price that he thinks is good, he wants to pounce on it. And that's how exactly how he identified Garrett Cooper with the Marlins. Cause he was not mentioned in trade rumors once Scott Barlow. He was a little bit, but not too much. And at the end, he ended up getting both those players. And immediately after those deals were made, I was getting texts saying Preller does it again. And this is exactly what he does. And I tip my cap because I don't know how he sleeps or if he sleeps, but I just marvel at his ability to, to constantly do this because there's no other executive in baseball who does it. I I'm still shocked. He has a job. I mean, all these years he's been in, he's punted, he's been in, he's, I mean, it's been, most guys wouldn't have this long of a leash. Speaking of leash and, Right now, I'm on fansided.com right now on your guys' baseball section, and it, a picture of Heimblum. Heimblum left Red Sox fans with disappointing. Um, how long does this guy continue to be able to operate the way he operates and to have one of the best jobs in baseball? That is a wonderful question. Um the last two trade deadlines for him have been extremely confusing. It has been last year. It was like a mixture of buying and selling and it, it did not work at all, especially after trading fast guys to Houston and facing him immediately. Like you could tell as soon as that trade was made um, that that organization or the players were not happy with it. And this year you look at that roster and you could see Adam Duvall being a trade candidate. You could see Alex Verdugo, James Paxton being trade candidates and instead, they go out, they don't sell any of those guys, and they go out and get Luis Urias from the Milwaukee Brewers, which I actually think that's a halfway decent move. Uh, he's a um, he's, he's a high upside guy, super toolsy. He was a former top prospect of the San Diego Padres, but he's never really put it together quite yet. Yeah, he's hitting like uh-huh. 157 in 20 games, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, not great. That is definitely not encouraging numbers, to say the least. I, I, I don't think they're having like a, a rollout party with the red carpet when he rolls up to Fenway. No, gosh, no. <laughs> and with the interest that they got in Paxton and they got in Duvall, they could have gotten something. They could have gotten something meaningful in return. Philadelphia was firmly in on Adam Duvall throughout this entire process, wow. and they did not end up pulling the trigger on a deal. And that for a team that basically has little shot at winning the World Series this year. I thought Bloom should have ended up doing it and pulling the trigger on those deals, but he did not. And either he's going to miss the playoffs or it's going to be a quick exit in the postseason, and they're just going to be you know, in the same spot as they were last year. And that's just – it's not great. And it makes you wonder about his job security long-term because that fan base in Boston is passionate. They booed him last year at, like, at a convention before the season started. And I can't imagine they're they're as happy. I, I can't imagine they're more happy than they were at that point either. 
I is our game just in a weird spot? Like we're talking about the Red Sox, and then I'm now going to ask you about the Mets, who Garrett, who had the biggest payroll in the history of baseball. I believe it's the his biggest payroll in the history of American professional sports. And X amount of months later, they're punting. And man, remember where we were like at the winter meetings or just after the winter meetings and Steve Cohen and he's the super fan and $16 billion. I was joking with my producer earlier, Cody, about, oh, he loves Seinfeld and Keith Hernandez was his favorite player and he's just like us. He's the fan. And then now they're like, oh, we might not compete till 25, 26. Just how weird is our game right now? It's it's extremely weird. And sticking with the Mets, nobody in there, nobody could have ever envisioned this happening with the Mets. That was a team that on paper looked like the strongest candidate to represent the National League in the World Series. You had two Hall of Fame pitchers heading up your rotation. You had some other some really solid starters rounding out that rotation. Had a lineup that was full of guys that was that are extremely talented that are led by uh, Pete Alonso and Lindor. And then a few months later, you trade your two Hall of Fame pitchers. They were listening to offers for Pete Alonso. Like that, that was real. Um, and that's crazy. Uh, yeah. And the fact that Billy Epler and Steve Cohen were as open as they were with Verl or with Scherzer about not competing um, in 2024 and then aiming for 2025, that is shocking. That is probably the biggest. 180 in recent baseball history like that is completely stunning and it's left this game in a really weird spot and considering the Mets is uh the Mets and the Padres is lack of success after they spent a zillion dollars in the offseason I wonder if that's going to dissuade these teams from spending that kind of money going forward and kind of doing what others these other teams are doing I thought those two teams spending as much as they did was awesome for the game um not it, it has not worked out. The Padres still to be determined. They continue to add at the deadline, doing what AJ Preller does. But this Mets, this entire series or season for the Mets might be the biggest disappointment in baseball history. It is. It's been that much of a failure. Well, keep doing what you do because you're one of the best we got in this business, and we always appreciate having you here on A's Cast Live. And let's do this again soon. Let's make it happen. I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, have an awesome night. Take care. Yeah, he's uh, he's connected. I mean, as I don't know about you, Commander, but when you start talking about guys who are connected, uh, Robert Murray is as connected as it gets in our business, and he's um, love having him on the program. But think about what he just said there. What you're seeing right now, what people champion, and I'm not saying I'm glad or I'm happy about the position we're in because the position we're in sucks, and I absolutely hate it, and I can't wait to get the hell out of it, and I'm tired of looking at this record. I'm tired of looking at these players. I'm tired, tired, tired. I want to win. I want to cover a team that wins, and we do that. 12, 13, 14, 18, 19, 20, and even 21. I want to win. But I understand. But that's why I said there's a lot There's a lot of teams closer to us than you think. And what did he just say right there? He said the ramifications from this past offseason is going to change because we came out of COVID. After COVID, we had a lockout. Then we had a new deal. 
and people were spending like drunken sailors, as they like to say. No offense to drunken sailors. Because if you got to be out on a boat in the middle of the ocean, you come into port, you want to have some cocktails, I have no problem with that. Remember, Navy came up with the uh, idea of happy hour. We went over this before. I don't remember. I, yeah, we, remember, you asked me once, who, where did the origin of happy hour come from? We looked it up, and it was the Navy. Do thing. tell. <coughs> oh, I have to look it up again. I just remember being in It was the Navy who came yeah. up with the ha- It's amazing the mili- how much the military comes up with in this world. Let's see if I, well, keep talking, and I'll look it up. I'm, I'm now intrigued. Um, but, yeah. How many teams are going to look at this and go, did you just see the Mets? They had, they did the biggest payroll in the history of the game. And by the trading deadline, they're getting rid of it. And now they're becoming – they went from having the biggest payroll to rebuilding. I really thought – I thought at one point after 3 o'clock Pacific, 6 Eastern, uh, remember because everyone – I think everyone, everyone lives on the East Coast uh, – that Pete Alonso was going to come out the day the Mets traded him, and I was going to be like that. I thought it was going to be like the Granky, where we're like, "Wow, like, Let, why not the A's trade for him? Just put his big butt in the middle of our order." Can you imagine if the asking get price, rid of everybody? I get rid of every. Just have a bunch of kids and, and the polar bear. Can you okay? So if the asking price for Seth Brown was high, he's could, only making like twenty million. Can you imagine what it would be for Pete Alonso if the asking price was high I, for Seth I'll Brown? I'll give you everybody you want. <laughs> Real quick, happy hour. The term happy hour actually derived from the American naval slang in the 1920s after the First World War. Happy hours were actually periods of time on naval ships where sailors could engage in relaxing activities in order to relieve themselves from the drudgery of life at sea. There you go. Happy hour came from the Navy, (laughs) our United States Navy. So if these sailors want to come to port and let some steam out, then fine, let them be drunken sailors. There you go. But Full circle. they were spinning like drunken sailors this off season, and it was moronic. And the thing was, we were sitting there at the winter meetings, and we're looking around and just going, these deals are stupid. Like, this, this, these, these deals. How's Trey Turner working out for the Phillies? Xander Bogarts, really? Like, you're spinning. Yeah, how's, how's old Trey doing? Trey Turner at age, uh, <clears throat> uh, what is he now, 30. Trey Turner hitting 242 with a 1.1 war and a 84 OPS plus. These guys aren't even league average, and they signed 11 year deals. 11 years. Actually, what what is uh? He stinks. What is Xander? Xander. X as you call him. Yeah, X just had a bad game the other night. 264, 2.4 war. Okay, OPS plus 108, both league average. 108. I'm paying him how much money? Let's okay. One last one. Let's see what uh, Carlos Correa is doing. We can even look up your guy Dansby Swansby too. Carlos Correa can't even stay on the field. Okay, yeah. One point oh WAR, ninety two OPS plus. Not a great year for us. Giant fans, you offered him thirteen years. He's a one WAR. He's barely above the AAA guy. Dansby Swanson. Dansby's good. I told you. Three point six WAR, two sixty three, and then one oh nine OPS plus. I said. At the winter meetings, we had all the shortstops lined up. Is that all? Are we, are we forgetting any? Was those the big four? Yeah. Or was there five? There oh, no, Seager was, Seager was before. I said, the guy that will play shortstop the best and the longest will be Dansby Swanson. Or what's my new nickname for Dansby him? Dansby Swansby. Swansby. <laughs> Swansby. I said it. I said, listen, all these other guys look flashier. But he's the real shortstop, and he'll be the shortstop long term. We got a long way to go. But in year one, I was right. 3.5 war.
They love him in Chicago. Chicago's on a turnaround right now. And you know what? I am now officially a Chicago. Who's been my team in the Central? I really haven't had one. Reds? No, Reds. Well, obviously, mine's always been the Brewers since the Pirates have been terrible recently. I am now officially a Harry Carey. I'm a Bud man and a Cub fan. I'm go- I'm all in hey. on the Cubs. Hey. I- I'm all in. I-, I-, I am rooting for the Cubs from here on out. I've been to Wrigley Field. It's a great place. I am now all in Chicago, north side. Let's go, Cubbies. They had a good, the Jamer Candelario was a good deal for them. Your boy Stu was trying to tell me how Stroman was the number one pitcher to get. How's that working out for our A's Hall of Fame? I can't wait to see Stu on Sunday. Maybe a month ago he was. I disagreed. Now, I didn't win 20 games four straight years. Is that a fact? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me fact check. Um, yeah, that's correct. Am I a World Series MVP? No. Was I ever the GM of the Arizona Diamondbacks? No. Am I in the A's Hall of Fame? No, and you're not a World Series champion either. No. Multiple times. No, three times. But I was right on a lot of trading deadline over Dave Stewart, I can tell you that. Because you've got to remember, I, Stu and I did TV three straight days leading up to this deadline. Stu, didn't, Stu and I didn't see eye to eye. I'm like Verlander, Stroman. Stro, Stroman has been awful in July. He's got like an 80 RA. Yeah. If you would have traded for him before July, he might have been the best pitcher on the market. He was. He was. He was the only guy on the but market. But to give Stroman, Stroman's one of the reasons why they're 500. Yeah, they had a remarkable turnaround under Jed Hoyer and our, Nico? and our guy and our guy Rossi. How about Nico? Oh, friend of the program, Oakland's own Oakland kid, Belly. I'm a Cub fan. You know what? Cubs stayed with it. I, I we got to get back to this number. Did you see how it floored Robert? This guy's one of the top insiders in baseball. The wait, wait what do we got next? Martin. We'll floor Martin next. These numbers. Show you, front office people have been selling us, fans, media, they've been selling us a bag of goods. This prospect thing, they are selling us a bag of goods. I am. Not, I have written it down here in the A's portfolio, and I'm taking this with me wherever I go. And when I'm sitting at spring training, and you're selling me prospects, okay, I'll play. Uh huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I'm going to come back to this number. You do realize that every single prospect that's been traded since 2013 at the deadline, three percent have become impact players. Three. That's not a lot. You know how many that is? 507, 573 players, prospects have been traded since 2013. And you said 17%? 3%. You know? Oh, 3%. It's 3%. Do you know what that actual number is? What's 3% of 573? Uh, I'm going to say it's like 30. 17! That's, we that's have been good. sold a bag of goods. Martin Gallegos, is he going to have the answers? Hopefully. This is like a few good men. I want answers. But he's in L.A. He might have some. Oh, he's in L.A.? Yeah. Good for him. Do you have the day off in L.A. yesterday? He did, yeah. Oh. So I saw his photos on the what gr- on the did gram. Martin Gallegos, what, what was he doing? I hope he had a great off day. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Okay. Next? Yeah, next, yeah. Right here on Ace Cast Live.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's summertime, and I can guarantee you, you probably need to redo your wardrobe. You, you want to look good, and you want to feel comfortable. This is Chris Townsend, and you got to go check out my friends at Link Soul. They've got all the finest fabrics. You're going to love the shirts, the polos, the shorts, you name it. Redo your look for summertime. Go to LinkSoul.com right now, and you can get an offer for 20% off. Remember, in the big leagues, to play good, you got to look good. Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live from Los Angeles, he covers your Oakland Athletics for MLB.com, Martin Gallegos. First of all, please tell me you enjoyed yourself a day off in L.A. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it was great that it fell, you know, the way it did with the schedule flying in from Colorado, you know, short trip, two hours. I land LA Sunday night and yesterday just kind of relaxed around the city. Uh, went over to Venice Beach for a little bit, uh, checked out a museum more towards the uh, Riverside area. So uh, had some good food, good burgers. It was a good time out here. Nice, nice. And then it's always fun to get to Dodger Stadium because Dodger Stadium is still, it's got its charm, it's old school, but they've modernized it a little bit. But it's truly one of the great lo locations in our game. Yeah, it, for sure. You know, the first time I came here was like 2018, and, and I came back again for the All-Star game last year. Every time I walk in here, you know, it, it feels different. You know, it's a legendary park, a lot of history, obviously, that has taken place here. Um, and so whenever I get a chance to cover here, it, it's pretty awesome, for sure. And they've done a good job keeping it up. They've remodeled it for the All-Star game. And it, it, it feels like a pretty modern park. Um, you know, getting around is kind of difficult at times, but... Um, once you're in here and watching a ball game, it's it's pretty special for sure. Well, and think about it. You can hear it in the background right now. They still have the old school organ going. Yep. Yeah, the guy's playing it right. He's literally steps away. There's an organist <laughs> right now, a real organist. That, yeah. You don't see that in baseball that often anymore. No, it's absolutely awesome. I love Dodger Stadium. And you know what? It's always been said the place is so clean, you've always felt like you could drop your food on the floor and pick it up and still <laughs> eat it. It is a clean bar ballpark. Yeah, for sure. From walking in here, you know, they do a good job. Like I said, they've, they've kept it up real well. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got you know the chance to come out here for the series. I, I always love covering games down here for sure. All right. I think all of us covering, the, covering this team have felt like enough's enough. Going to need to see young players, going to have to audition young players. And it's tough to audition young players when you have veteran players. 
and the deadline was just we we thought would be a process where you'd be able to open up some spots that really didn't happen just tell us your opinion on what the a's roster looks like right now even what the starting lineup looks like tonight yeah i think the, the thing that jumps out obviously was the jace peterson trade i i don't think you know the a's obviously had some veteran guys who we thought could get moved but i don't think jace peterson was, was one of those guys i just i didn't see a scenario in which he got moved but um, you know, they found they found a team that was, you know, looking for, for some infield help. I think Evan Longoria's hurt over there for the, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, so they needed a little help there, and they send him over. And I think the main thing there is it opens up third base for a guy like Jordan Diaz, and you see Jordan Diaz in there at third base today. And I think, you know, talking to Kotze pregame today, it's basically going to be, you know, that's going to be Jordan Diaz's spot there to kind of take and, and run with it. He's going to get the majority of the time there here for the second half. And, um, you know, you mentioned that the youth movement is kind of underway here with, you know, Geloff here, Soderstrom. Uh, even guys like Cody Thomas, we're going to want to see these guys getting a little bit more playing time now here in the second half and, and see them in the lineup a little bit with a little bit more regularity. This is their chance to kind of just establish themselves. So then come next year, they have this experience under the belt and they can get the ground running. So then how do you handle Aletmus Diaz, Seth Brown, Ramon Laureano, Tony Camp? How do you end up handling this situation? Yeah, you know, I think with those guys that didn't get moved, I think, you know, I think the expectation was we'd see some of those guys move. Now that they're not moved, I think, you know, they'll still get their playing time here and there. But um, I think it's time for them to kind of take a step back a little bit and, and maybe serve as more of a leadership role. Um, I, I think a guy like Loriano would still get some playing time against lefties, you know, Seth Brown some playing time against righties. Um, but for a guy like Aledemus Diaz and Tony Kemp, you know, they're playing at spots where they have players who they want to get a good look at in the second half. And, you know, the only way they're going to get a good look at them is if they're in the lineup with regularity. So I think for a guy like Tony Kemp and a guy like Aledemus Diaz, their best, uh, you know, role to kind of help the team here in the second half is to provide guidance. And, you know, you see it. I saw it today. You know, uh, I was in the clubhouse a little bit and I saw Aledemus Diaz having a long conversation with Jordan Diaz about hitting um, and just kind of the approach, you know, moving up from AAA to the majors. And now it's kind of different. So that's a way where they can help out, you know, and kind of leave a, ma a mark for the long term. You know, whether they're here next year or not, um, they can leave a good uh, impression here wherever they go next and help these young players kind of develop into big leaders. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very tough month for Mark Kotze. I think it's going to be a really tough month. I think they can sell it right now all they want, but uh, at some point September call-ups are going to come. Veteran guys want to play. You don't want to play them. There could be some guys DFA'd. It could be some really tough. Uh, I, I know for me there's going to be a lot of tough phone calls on the A's clubhouse show after games. I understand it, but when you got older guys hitting around 200, here's something that Robert Murray, a baseball insider, and he breaks a lot of news everything, he was telling us what he was hearing is that we actually, had a, we actually were asking a lot for our guys. And I just wonder, like, why would we do that? Why would – if someone said, we want Seth Brown, why would you play hardball with that? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, I think, obviously, you look at some of the guys, like a Tony Kemp or a Trevor May, I think, obviously, they've had pretty good months, you know, like a month stretch of good, uh, you know, performances on the field. Um, but a guy like Seth Brown hasn't really been able to get it going all year, so it's a tough spot. You're obviously definitely, you know, if you're going to trade him somewhere, you're going to be selling low, I would think. You know, I don't, I don't, I didn't hear the particulars of what exactly they were asking for, but um, I think at this point with a guy like him and Loriano, 
their value is just so low, you know, especially with a guy like Loriano. I think the hope was that if he didn't get hurt as much as he was, he's been getting hurt this year and he would maybe establish some trade value, but he really hasn't been playing the whole year. And when he has, he hasn't really been able to get it going for a sustained stretch. He'll have short bursts here and there where he shows some flashes, but um, overall it's just kind of been hard for both of those guys to get it going. So, you know, both guys who are still under team control. So maybe this off season, if they could put together a second half, which we don't know how much playing time they're going to be getting, but if they can do something with the time that they do get, um, maybe in the off season is where you kind of see um, those talks for trades kind of re-engage and, and maybe one or two of those guys move somewhere else. I miss Este Uri Ruiz. I miss saying his name. I miss watching him play. I'm not sure if he's a center fielder or not, but I know he needs to play. He needs to play every day, and he's got to be in the lineup. Are we going to see him in the next couple days? Yeah, I think he's coming soon. You know, Kotze said he's been feeling good uh, after each rehab game. He's kind of slowly advancing from five innings to seven innings. He's playing tonight in Vegas. Well, I think they're in Albuquerque, but they're going to be playing over there. Uh, I think he's going to play nine innings tonight in center. So uh, the progression's pretty fast. And as long as he's feeling healthy, which he has been, it sounds like he said, you know, he could be back sooner rather than later. Um, whether that's for the Giants series this weekend or even in this Dodgers series, I think we're going to see him yeah. for sure by the end by the end of this weekend. I mean, he's definitely a guy who they could use. Uh, you know, they've been getting some nice production out there by, you know, J.J. Blade, who was in center again today and actually leading off. So that's going to be an interesting situation there when Ruiz does come back. But there's no question that they're a better team with Ruiz in there um, in that lineup and providing a spark somewhere at the top of that order. And it'll be fun to watch him here, especially now with guys like Geloff and Soderstrom up and kind of be a part of that mix, that, that young uh, lineup with guys who are, you know, hopefully a part of this team's future. I like Blade, but he's got a hit. I think this is the perfect time to say you're in there every day. You were taken fourth overall in the draft because you got talent. Prove you can do it. And if he can prove he can do it, you got an everyday player sitting there right in front of you. What do you think so far of J.J. Blade? Yeah, I think approach-wise, he, he brings a great approach. And I think it's been constant since he got called up. And I think that's why even maybe when the numbers weren't that great at first when he got called up, he still was taking really good at bats, and that's why he kept his kept himself up here in the big leagues. A lot of times, if a guy doesn't perform, you know, in terms of results, uh, they get sent down. But he's been up here the whole time, and I think it's because the A's take note of just his approach. He, you know, works really good counts every time he's at the plate. Seems like he's always, you know, making a pitcher work. You know, he's able to draw walks here and there, even when he's not maybe hitting at his best. I don't think we've still seen the best of him when he is, you know, 100% hitting wise. He did have that little stretch. Uh, last week where he had three homers in six games and it was looking like he was turning around a little bit. Um, but he's still working through some things. He's still trying to find himself at the big league level. But, I mean, if he can, you know, hit the way, I mean, he was projected to as, as, as such a high draft pick as he was, I mean, the A's have a pretty good player there. And um, he's getting a chance to play almost every day right now. And I think it's, it's you know, his opportunity to kind of shine and, and take a spot for himself to, even when Ruiz comes back, you know, get some regular playing time out there somewhere in the outfield, whether it's center, he could play the both corner spots. He's pretty versatile out there, but he's definitely a, I think, you know, part of that young mix of guys on this team who are showing some promise here. All right. You've now seen it for a couple weeks. How excited, how excited are you about Zach Geloff? He's definitely been electric. You know, he brings a lot of energy. I think that's, that's the one word that everybody uh, kind of tosses around is energy. And that's what he brings to the clubhouse, to, to the team. You know, not necessarily a boisterous guy, but I think just the way he plays and the way he goes all out, whether it's on defense or running the bases, I think the players kind of take note of that and um, respect that. You know, the way he, he goes about the playing the game and um, the way he puts in work in, in, the, in the clubhouse, in the cage. Um, he's been fun to watch. He's certainly, uh, 
you know, if you're looking for some excitement for the second half and something to kind of look forward to and reason to watch A's games in the second half, Zach Geloff has to be right at the top of that list. And I'm still, we're still waiting for, for Soderstrom as well to kind of get it going. He's, he's gotten some hits, you know, here in his last three or four games, I think, with a, at least one hit. So um, maybe maybe this series where he kind of really gets it going with the power because we haven't seen him, you know, obviously hit a homer yet. But um, those two guys, I think, are, are, you know, if you're looking for something to watch in the second half, they bring a lot of, a lot of uh, intrigue for sure because, I mean, I think these guys, if all goes according to plan and, and what the A's expect from them, these could be, you know, cornerstone-type players, you know, kind of like Matt Chapman and Matt Olson back in the day. No doubt about it. And, and like, I think about what, what we just watched, right? We watched these guys go get to play at Coors Field. Really tough play to play. Now they get to come to historic Dodger Stadium. That's why I want them up here and not in Las Vegas. I want the I want Soderstrom and Geloff and Blade and Diaz and all these guys. I want Medina to get the ball. I want Waldachuk to get the ball. I want these guys all JP Sears. I want these guys to continue to grow and get these experiences. And I think this series right here will be a good experience. And, and Soderstrom, no question. How about Medina? If there's one guy where you go, hey, could somebody be legit? Just tell us, like, last six, seven starts, what you've seen from him. Yeah, you know, it's it's impressive. Uh, you know, you look at his slider and how good it's been. And, and kind of, you know, I'd seen him throwing it all year. But really, I remembered back to spring training when I was writing up his, like, prospect reports. And um, he wasn't uh, throwing a slider before this year. So he, that's a new slider I asked him about. He said he, he learned it in spring training. And he started throwing it in the, in the start of the minor league season. Uh, in games and now that pitch is looking pretty devastating you see that outing in, in Colorado yeah and you know they couldn't they couldn't figure out that slider you know he was he was throwing it by everybody swing and miss a bunch of swing and misses all, all of his strikeouts were on the slider and when you combine that with the obviously the 100 mile per hour fastball and the big looping curveball that's around you know low 80s there's so much deception there so much uh variance and speeds that I mean the guy can be unhittable it all comes down to to uh you know control which in that outing, I think the no walks was the biggest thing more than the strikeouts. Obviously, we know he has, you know, really dazzling stuff, but it's all about commanding. And it seems like with each start that goes by over the last six or seven, he's gained a lot more confidence. He's been around the zone. He's throwing strikes. He's, he's not afraid of hitters. Um, and, he, and he's not walking guys. He's not allowing the free passes. And that's why you're seeing the low run totals. And, um, you know, for a young pitcher who comes up in the big leagues, it could be tough at times for them to kind of, you know, uh, be comfortable enough to attack guys, but he's kind of shown that mentality from day one. When even that start in Anaheim, his first outing as a big leaguer, he's attacks and he's not afraid of guys. And I think that's something that, you know, Kotze and the coaching staff really uh, have taken note of and really are excited about is he's not afraid of, you know, to pitch under the bright lights. And I think as he gains more confidence, I kind of remember back to Frankie Montas when he first came up with the A's. He's, you know, kind of a, a hard thrower, but wasn't really a pitcher yet. And then he developed that splitter. And all of a sudden, he became, you know, a frontline pitcher for them. With Medina, it kind of feels like similar vibes. He's got that slider now, and he's got kind of a full assortment of pitches, and he's learning how to pitch and not just throw hard. And, um, you know, there's still going to be some some learning curves here. He doesn't have a ton of experience under his belt, but um, there's certainly a lot of promise for, for a guy who most people expected, you know, maybe his ceiling would be a, you know, a reliever, a closer type. He's certainly looking like a guy who could be a, a starter for, for a lot of years up here. Great stuff, my man. Enjoy the series, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll actually see you this weekend. All right, sounds good, Tony. See you. Thank you. Martin Gallegos does a great job covering the A's for MLB.com. You know, something that you don't think of, and I'm just looking at it here, and 
you know, when we're just comparing guys, because Ruiz has been somebody that's been very dynamic to us, right? It's the stolen bases that's it's impressed us so much. And I'm just going to bring up numbers are numbers. It's all we got right now, to be honest with you. We have numbers to debate and to look at. But when you look at the year so far, let's take the two players, Ruiz and Blade. Watching this, defensively, there's no question J.J. Blade is superior to him as a defensive player. I can't disagree. It's 100% factual. It's just factual, <laughs> right? So you look at the numbers, right? Who do you think would have a better OPS? Because right now, Ruiz, you're saying, man, Ruiz has a bazillion stolen bases. He's still second. Acuna has 51 now, so he is sitting at number two at 43. But he's got 43 stolen bases. Who do you think has a better OPS, Ruiz or Blade? I'm going to go Blade because of the power. So he's going to have a higher slugging. It's not even close. J.J. Bidet's OPS is 713. Ruiz is 640. That's a dramatic difference. How about OPS plus? J.J. Bidet is 105. Bubbly, Hover- above league average. Hovering above league average. Ruiz is 85. Hovering below league average. By a lot. Yeah. So it's like it's interesting when we, you know, I think if you went to the average A's fan, you would say, by far, Ruiz. And then you start delving into the numbers. Listen, I love Ruiz. He is going to be in the lineup. I just don't know where he is long term. I, 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 would, I would believe that our front office will force him into center field when he comes back. And they'll continue with that experiment. If you're going to experiment, this is the year to do it. Um. But I'm very interested in Blade. If if I mean, put it this way, we're not we're not we're not that far away. If JJ Blade had just X amount of more hits, his numbers are like wow. How old is he? Lost a year because of COVID. All these guys have. That's something you got to remember. They lost a year. Like all of a sudden, you go, you know, a few more hits. And that batting average is up a little more. Next thing you know, if you're talking about you've got a young center fielder and his OPS is, well, over 750? That's pretty good. He has a chance to be that. I don't know what Ruiz Ruiz is going to be a speed guy. Ruiz Ruiz does not walk. Correct. Like, you've got to, like – You've got to be, as a pitcher, you've got to have control problems to walk him. He is not looking to walk. He is looking to hack. He's got 14 walks and 369 plate appearances as a leadoff guy. That's not good. That's very low. But he's got the hit tool. He's got 86 hits. There is a lot of really, really good and really, really bad with Ruiz. He's terrible defensively. I was just looking. Minus 16 defensive run save. Minus 16? Minus 16. Blade's not a plus either, but he's better. Where you at, better. Shooty Babbitt? There's another one of these A's greatness that I've – Shooty and I went round and went – I'm like, Shooty, he can't – Like, I watch this team every day. 
I watch it every day. God bless all of you who watch it too and who cover it. I watch it every day. I keep score every inning. I'm in it all day. When I'm giving you my opinion, I'm giving you something that I'm watching every day. I'm here every day. Correct, you are, yes. He can't play center. Numbers show it. So I but but I could see Ruiz Ruiz is going to Ruiz has Ruiz is a part of the answer. Right? Correct, yes. Ruiz so so where is that answer? I don't know defensively. But he's a part of the answer. But you know, you start to look at the numbers and you really kind of sit back and you go, Wow. Doesn't walk. Steals bases. Okay? That's great. Scores some runs. He also hits with runners in scoring position. He's a lead at that. Huge, <laughs> huge plus for Ruiz. I mean, Ruiz got me in the lineup, but I like Blade too. What, how many RBI? He has, what, 30, 35 or whatever it is? 35 RBI. Yeah, I think but like he hits the, with runners in yeah, scoring position. I think all of them <laughs> with the solo you, home run are the you runners could, in you scoring. Could, you could justify he should be hitting third. Yeah. Forget leadoff, hit him third. If you want to win, we're done. Yeah, we ain't got a minute. I got more to talk about. We can save the prospect stuff. No, this, this, the percentages of prospects not becoming impact players is alarming. Well, you can talk about that, and I'll bring in the. Thing can about I lead the, the show with this tomorrow? Yeah, and I'll bring up the the, the thing we talked about last week with the guys in the last ten the, years about the, the draft, draft yeah. the draft ten years. When you start looking at the percentages of guys that don't make it from from the draft, when you start looking at the guys you trade for, become not, it's alarming that all these so-called genius front office people keep trying to sell us, as Robert Murray said, lottery tickets. We're getting sold a lot of lottery tickets. By the way, how many lottery tickets have ever hit for you? Well, I don't buy many, but the ones I have never won. Oh, I get another ticket? It's a scratcher? I get another ticket? I've won a few dollars here and there, a free, free, uh, what is it, free ticket. I'm telling you, when the whole panel... They put up this graphic. It's like they had not seen it, right? These guys are doing this long trade deadline show. They put up this graphic, and everybody was like, oh, my God. They didn't know what was coming up on the graphic. And when all these baseball men see how few of these prospects that are traded this time of the year have ever amounted to anything, it shocked all the guys on MLB Network today. I taped it. I sh- we should go back and watch it because when they put it up, they were all like, oh, wow. I can't believe it's that low. And Dan O'Dowd, you got to get my guy. I'm, I'm tr- I, I, I can't help if I've emailed multiple times. Dan O'Dowd was text a Luke. monster today on MLB Network, the former GM. He was on it. And he was like, yeah, and he was breaking it down. It was so good. That's it? That's it. All right, coming up next, A's baseball. We want to thank Chris Rose. We want to thank uh, Gene Tennis, new A's Hall of Famer. Don't forget. Jason Giambi tomorrow, Carney Lansford tomorrow. We want to thank Robert Murray, Martin Gallegos. Great job by you. Anything else you want to say on the way out? You, you're, you're the one that carried the show with all the trade stuff. I just help. Oh. You're the star. Oh, look at you. Look you, at me deflecting. Yeah, you so not believe that. You <laughs> so. By the way, uh, we got our new Link Soul stuff. Correct, yeah. Folks, the summer line is phenomenal. Check out Link Soul for all your clothing. You want your beach wear, your cool guy wear, your cool gal wear, men, women, linksoul.com. Anything else? No, that's it. That was a good day today. Tomorrow, Jason Giambi, Carney Lansford, A's Baseball next. 
This is Chris Townsend, and it is summertime. You want to look your best, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Commander Cody, we've got our new shipment from Link Soul, all the summer gear. So whether you're playing golf or you're going out for dinner, you're hanging out with your buddies, or you're going to the beach, go see our friends at LinkSoul.com. And right now they have an offer where you can get 20% off. Go to LinkSoul.com. Remember in the big leagues, look good, play good. Unbeatable mileage from Chevron with Tecron unlocks all kinds of unbeatable trips, like to family dinner the next town over, or to a family wedding the next, next town over, or even to a family reunion over the river and through the woods at Grandma's house. Any drive is worth it to see Grandma, especially when you can stop along the way for unbeatable cleaning power from Chevron with Tecron. Your engine will be thanking you for making the trip. Download the Chevron app now and find unbeatable mileage near you.